Hello and welcome to Go for Bronze, episode 40. On this week's show, we talk about two big studio heads leaving their respective teams, the Xbox leaks that show us the future of Bethesda, and we recap all the announcements from the most recent state of play. I'm Joel Torres, and as with me as always is my co-host, Mark Ace Acevedo. How are you doing today, sir? You like, the little, you like the little sauce I throw on there? Yeah, I always I always love the intro. <laughs> I wonder how weird it would be if I went by that name like in regular life. Ace? Yeah. I think you see, you could have done it, not saying that you didn't have like a prolific sports career, because you did as a track runner, but I think I don't do track runners have nicknames usually? usually I feel like it's mostly just their name. So if you play like another sport, I feel like Ace Ace would be a great like baseball nickname. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it would like work, a good it, pitcher nickname. It would work good for sports, but even then, I I think I would I wouldn't want people to call me by a nickname that would be associated with like it's my gamer tag. Even though Ace is not that bad, I feel it, like it's yeah, kind it, of a cringy thing. Ace is thing. cool. Mm. Maybe gamer tag specific, but if it's a nickname that transitioned to a gamer tag, because I was always kind of jealous of kids that had like cool nicknames or like they went by like their initials or something i always wanted to mm-hmm. go by my initials i always wanted people to call me jt because i felt like it was cool like initials i really pre- i liked my j my initials when i used to play basketball with some kids i used to be go, go by j and i think that's just because they didn't know how to like they like always said my name wrong like joel mm-hmm. or joel so i used to go by j for a little bit in the basketball scene but outside of that i never had a nickname and i kind of always wanted one i don't how did you feel about that growing up I never thought about it too much. I was just like, yeah, call me Mark. Don't fucking call me Marcus. <laughs> Don't be, have it be Mark with a C. It's Mark with a K. The JT thing is interesting. I've never heard you say that because obviously like we had a ton of classes together. So I'm surprised. Like, I've never heard somebody be like, oh, do you have any nicknames that you want to be called? I never heard you say JT. I feel like you could have done that. It was always a self-conscious thing. It was like, yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't feel cool enough to go by JT. You know? That's fair. Like, JT's like, very... You don't want to ask and like put somebody out of their way. That's what I'm saying. I feel like a nick a good nickname occurs naturally. Mm, like you I just agree. get the nickname and it's just like it sticks with you, you know? Like Jamarcus yeah. is a classic nickname. Yeah, Jamarcus is a classic nickname and I feel like it makes <laughs> sense. I like mm-hmm. that. It's a good nickname. But I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We're just chilling. Sunday morning. Mm. Got two hours before the NFL kickoff. You know, we're just we're just living life. Yeah, I think I'm the rest of my day after this, I think what I'm really probably going to start up is I want to finish Resident Evil 4, and then I'm kind of interested in that separate ways DLC. Yeah, I mean, it looks really good. I'm interested to see if Ada plays different from, like, Leon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Resident Evil 4 already has, like, a lot more gameplay mechanics. Like, Leon's already a lot more, like, you know, flexible. He's able to dodge and be more aggressive. So it'd be kind of cool if, like, Ada's, like, just, like, fucking super fast and spinning around and shit. So. And then I'll be interested to try the mercenaries mode too. One thing I do like is there's no trophies tied to mercenaries. And I kind that's of enjoy beautiful. that because that's the thing in Resident Evil 8 that is, I wouldn't say keeping me from the platinum because I have most of those mercenary trophies like locked in out of the way. But that was for a while something that had me putting it off because we have, we, me and Joel both have platinum to Resident Evil 2, 3, and 7. So now mm-hmm. four and eight are the ones that are left. Eight, I think I'm pretty close on. And then seven, I'm not close on, but like I'll do it. The platinum rate is like 4.6%. So it's not, it doesn't seem like it'll be that difficult. Probably just time consuming with multiple playthroughs. And I think 
8. eight you get confused. Resident Village. Resident mm-hmm. Village. I think it's made a little bit easier, the Mercenaries mode, because I, I got the DLC, so we have, like, you can use, like, Lady D, and you can use, like, more powerful characters that may speed it up. Plus, there was an update since launch where... It used to be that enemies would spawn on these respective maps, and the way that Mercenaries works, if somebody hasn't played it, is you are starting at the beginning of a level, and you have to clear a level out of enemies while collecting power-ups and chaining kills together, and so the way that you get a high score is keeping a combo going. The issue, or what made it difficult at the beginning, was enemies would spawn, but they would stay where they spawned. The update makes it where when enemies spawn, they come to you no matter where you are, so it's easier to keep a combo going. Because you yeah, won't that, have to like run around helps. hunting for mm-hmm. the last person. Yeah, I feel like I noticed that was an issue even in four when I tried the mercenaries mode too, where it's like you had to go out there and kind of like hunt them out, and then hopefully mm-hmm. they updated that as well. But yeah, I don't. You know what's weird is that I we love Resident Evil, like the PS4 generation of Resident Evil was like top tier, but it's just something with it's weird with Resident Evil four. I don't know if I went into it like too overhyped or like expecting. Like something, I think you know. I was kind of expecting like my favorite or best Resident Evil experience, mm-hmm. but it, something about it, like I think back on it, and it just kind of fell flat. And I don't know if that's because like they, I know there's like you know content that's cut out from the original game, but when I think about Resident Evil, I still think Resident Evil Remake Two is my favorite one. Yeah, I I, I would agree. Similar for me too. I don't know if. I feel like I I never finished Resident Evil 4 original before playing this one, but I had played it a lot and I was very familiar with it. And Mm -hmm. I think that that probably was something that took a lot of the shock factor out of it. Because when I played Resident Evil 2, I really didn't know much about it at all. Playing Resident Mm -hmm. Evil 4, I was already super familiar and ready for everything that was happening. So I would notice things that were like taken out or changed. But because of that, I feel like it's hard to be as excited. I know it's a little bit different, but to me, it's not. It's kind of similar, I guess, for me t- to Dead Space, where it's like I should have been all over that when that came out. But I played it, thought it was awesome, but then I never finished it. And I was like, well, it is really good, but I already know this game so well that it doesn't like hit the same. Yeah, Dead Space resonated with me a little bit more because I got the platinum in that bad boy. Mm-hmm. So that definitely hit a little bit more. But I also think I like Dead Space more than like any Resident Evil game. I think it's like my, if I was ranking like my horror games. Like it'd be Dead Space, probably Resident Evil 2 Remake. And then I don't know what else, you know, those are the top yeah. two in my mind that, that come immediately to me. But I think also what Resident Evil 4 is that it doesn't feel like connected. If you like, I didn't realize it was so like kind of like a side story. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it doesn't really progress much of like a, what's the company? Umbrella. Umbrella. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, like, I feel like there's very little mention of Umbrella Corp. It's more about, like, obviously, um, the president's daughter and, like, these, like, misfit of characters that you're, like, trying to just protect her from that. But it doesn't feel, like, connected. Like, Resident Evil 2 and 3 and even 1, like, it's all about the Umbrella. Like, I think that original 3, even though the third one kind of falls flat for some people, and, and it fell flat for me, too. But those that original 3 Resident Evil run feels a lot more connected. And then from 4, it's like, you know kind of like side stories and then i haven't played five or six yet but so and then seven also kind of feels like that too and then eight also feels like that so i think like the first three are really connected then the other ones are kind of like almost in that final fantasy kind of style where it's like this is in the same world but this is just a random story we're telling in this world yeah i think you said it like exactly how it is because the 
you kind of hopped onto it during the PS4 generation, but mm-hmm. I think I hopped onto it like during PS3 where I played Resident Evil 5, played a little bit of 6, but like 5 I remember playing a lot of, and then original Resident Evil, and then playing the Resident Evil 4 HD version that they had at the time. But all of this is basically just to say that you're exactly right where the original trilogy is tied together, and then I've always viewed every Resident Evil outside of the original 3 as just like their own Mm-hmm. fun kind of campy whatever stories where like they all have ties to each other in terms of characters and of course company and stuff like that but they're not really like a continuous story and i don't think they will be well obviously seven and eight are connected but even seven and eight are weirdly connected to me like they don't make a lot of sense cohesively but it's just like oh they're the same characters quote unquote you know and it's like it's like that's like its own little sub story within resident evil like the seven mm-hmm. and eight duology or I mean, it may continue with nine. I mean, it's looking like we'll probably end up playing as uh, Ashley, right? Is that her name, Ashley Winters? Mm, I don't remember. The, but yeah, Ethan's daughter. So because you started playing as her and her as a DLC, which I didn't finish, which I would like to finish. But yeah, that but, was you know, good. Yeah, Resident Evil, you know, it's good shit. But Resident Evil Four is is a little disappointed. I wish I would have been able to like play it in the zeitgeist and see like and, and experience it as like a game changer. But it kind of just did fall fall a little flat. But I still, for me, it was still incredible. It's like right under two. It just, I don't think that. I think for, I like seven more. Uh, yeah, I don't not. know if that's blasphemous, but I, I feel like I like seven more. I don't, I think that might be a little blasphemous. Yeah, I do like four more <laughs> than seven. I think that on a just cursory ranking them, I mean, it'd probably be fun to do like a video or something where we would mm-hmm. actually break them all down. But I think just off the top of my head, I think Resident Evil 2 remake is top Resident Evil 4, then seven, then one is probably my order and then the rest of them like i i don't know i would have to look at them in finer detail but those would be like the top four i think for me and resident evil 4 still hit well i really really loved it i just think that for me any piece of media is immediately capped when i know something that's going to happen it just can't reach that same level of greatness because i know something that's going to happen so it has to be like a first time truly original for it to hit like the this is going to be in my top of all time kind of things but that being said plays fantastic looks fantastic we'll be very excited to try separate ways i'm curious to see how separate ways is formatted because i know that it is like a separate or additional story but i know that there are going to be pieces of that that were originally in the core game because i watched like the gameplay trailer for it and i was like oh i remember this section but from the main game so it is like a little different, like remixed. Yeah, because even in the trailer, it's like basically like the end of the game. Mm. It's showing like Ada at like the end of the game. And I was like, huh, I wonder how this. Yeah, I, I am interested to see how it plays. I think the pricing was reasonable, even though I did think initially it was for the free. But 10 bucks, you know, not that bad. Yeah. Speaking of pricing, I know that we're going to go into the state of play in full later. I'm trying to see here to see if you have it so i i saw this updated hell divers 2 we'll discuss mm-hmm. it like in full detail later but i did look on the store at the pre-orders and hell divers 2 is 40 dollars. nice so just anyone wondering it's 40 for the standard edition and then there is an extra edition that's like 60 i didn't look at what was included in that but i just wanted to quickly check to see if they had put a price on that huh that, that's good i didn't see that when i was doing my research but um it was updated that's a good price it was updated in between when the state of play happened and now. So like when the state of play happened, the, the icons were on the pre-order, but it didn't have a price. And I mm-hmm. only saw a price today because I check 
but me and Joel like to check like the pre-orders and the coming soon, like almost every time we're on the store. So I only saw it today. I don't know when they actually updated that price. Oh, but yeah, that that's good to know. I think $40 is a very fair price for that game because mm-hmm. it looks, I don't know if you saw the trailer, but it looks very like budget. It looks like not budget, but like high budget. Like it looks like it's, it has like a good fidelity. I think the graphics look pretty nice and impressive and it seems like it'd be a fun co-op game. Yeah, I'll be excited. I mean, I'll be excited to play it, especially from the I don't know how hardcore people feel about it, but the perspective shift opens it to like, I'm more interested in playing it now. One thousand percent. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for that. But uh, what, is there anything you want to oh, wait? What were you going to say? I was just going to say, what about what we're currently playing? That's what I was going to ask you. If there's anything you wanted to say before we hopped into what we were playing. Hmm. Well, uh, welcome one. Welcome all to <laughs> go for bronze, a PlayStation podcast where we're going to talk about everything that's been going on in the PlayStation world for the past two weeks and discuss an important piece of Xbox news too, just because it's very relevant to us and the entire industry. And no, that's all I just want to say. Welcome. And thanks everyone for listening. All right, guys. Well, we're going to, we're going to hop into what we've been playing, Mark. I know you have some strong opinions about some Mortal Kombat one story details, but, uh, but, but overall, I yeah, I can't, I can't talk about it. those and they can't talk about that. But overall, I would like to hear because you are the resident Mortal Kombat fan of the pod, the Mortal Kombat expert. Yeah, I love Mortal Kombat all the way since I was a kid. It was one of the first games that I remember playing. I remember on my N64, we had Mortal Kombat trilogy and my parents would always take it away, obviously, because it's really gory, but that didn't matter. I was always get it back and I would always play it. And Mortal Kombat one is fantastic. I bought the like premium edition with the early access, the character bundle and stuff like that. It's one of the few games that I've mentioned before here on the show that like I will pre-order it just because I know that I will play it all the way through and they always work and I always think they review well. One thing I will say, not a huge deal. This game does have more. I think this game has more bugs than any MK I've played. Ooh. Now, when I say that, they're very minor and. What I mean is like maybe you do a brutality and a character kind of clips out or like it doesn't look correct in a brutality. But there's never been any functional like issues where there's no frame rate drop. The game's never crashed. Nothing has ever like not worked. I've just seen some wacky visual stuff very specifically in brutalities. And I wonder if that's because the way brutalities happen is you're in the fight and then you satisfy certain conditions and then uh, like a fatality will happen instead of it saying finish him and then you inputting something a brutality is just it'll do something immediately after it and so i wonder if like it like it, flows seamlessly like it doesn't have like the like usually when you are have somebody beat you have like to put in an input and then you mm-hmm. are able to do a thing i noticed i thought that was really cool i noticed that in some like the gameplay clips it like definitely is a lot more smoother and also makes the brutalities like more brutal because it's just like they just fucking keep on going well and it's like one of those things too where it's normally a player who's like a little bit better or a little hierarchy because you have to know in advance to be like this mm-hmm. is going to be my final hit so that this thing happens but the game itself i think is incredible if i had to like rank them or the recent ones in memory i think 11 is better than this i think 10 is better than this but i think this is better than nine that's okay. how i view them i know that everyone is going to have their own opinion me saying that there are two games recently that I think are better than this is not to say that I think this is anything less than amazing. I also just really, truly love those other games. I think a big thing that goes into my thought process for that is like MKX, I thought had one of the best DLC and total rosters. And so I really enjoyed that. And then MK11 felt like a more 
complete well-rounded product right off rip in terms of like story towers multiplayer offerings customization stuff like that the customization in this game per character is really fantastic every character has a mastery tree so you can rank them all up and they'll have different skins and pieces of equipment that you can put on and i think the customization is great on their end the story i do have strong feelings about but it's there (laughs) the invasions mode i think is incredible that's a single player seasonal piece of content where you go through an almost board game like map and each of the nodes that you go to is like a mini game or a challenge fight and i think that's really smart to have a single player thing that you have to complete that gives you a ton of rewards per season i think that's really nice i think the multiplayer offering is a little slim naturally i understand you're at the core of it is just you're going to be fighting one other person pvp but compared to what was in 11 there's a lot less options we need the mortal Kombat cart racing back that's what we need yeah, all that extra stuff from the other ones. I mean, it it is a fantastic game. And I mean, like, it helps when you're good at it. You know what I mean? Like, it's if you're not, it's also just really fun because it's like I can play online and just have a great time. Mm-hmm. Would you have liked something like the Street Fighter World Tour kind of thing? Or like, would no. you want something in something in terms of like that, like innovative for like the sing- well, the single player in Mortal Kombat is also the story, I think, is more important than it is in street fighter games in general so that's why i guess Mm. they had to do that weird world tour kind of thing i think the story in this one was the way it felt with no spoilers it was really it felt like it was extremely well written and extremely well planned and then there was just a point where it felt like maybe they were going up to a deadline and they had to wrap it up that's kind of how Mm. it felt where it was really 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 good and then it was like oh kind of close this thing up but again i don't want to get too far into details or have anyone worry that i'm gonna spoil something but the core of a way a mortal Kombat story plays out i always enjoy it's normally just very very cinematic and then of course people get pissed off and they fight and you just control the fights that are happening and different chapters you play as different characters but i enjoy the the way that they set up their story it's like a couple of hours probably like four hours you can like finish the story if you're winning every fight okay that's nice. I wanted to try out the story just because I know it's like a reset of like the whole thing. So mm. I also want to. I know you told me uh, Friday like like what your issue was, but to be honest, like I completely forgot because you know we were we we're getting a little intoxicated. So well, good. Yeah, then you can <laughs> you can go into it fresh, experience it, and especially it'd be interesting to see your p- point of view on it because have you ever like played an MK game? I played like I played Mortal Kombat versus DC. Oof, not, yeah. not immortals i played that one i played that story mode and then i played a little bit of nine story mode okay yeah i mean nine was really good but so then yeah you have it will be very fresh to you then especially okay. yeah, if you're coming in not having played x and 11 yeah I, I don't i mean i think the only time i've like booted up x or 11 or 11 is because of like the playstation stars campaign where it's like play one mm-hmm. of these fighting games and it's like that's the only time i've ever like downloaded it or anything like that by the way, they need to switch those up a little bit. I feel like some of the campaigns are getting really stale where every month you get a Battle Royale campaign, a fighting game campaign, and I feel like they need to be a little more creative. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of checking out a little bit on PlayStation Stars. I just do the ones that give me coins, and then outside mm-hmm. of that, I'm like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about these like little like digital chotskis. Or the Sea of Stars one, I think I might have mentioned here, it's to get three trophies in the game, but I got one of the trophies and then started the campaign, and it doesn't like retroactively check for that, so I just can't get it now. 
And I'm not going to lie, as stupid as it sounds, I kind of stopped playing Sea of Stars for the moment because like Damn. I, I was playing it because I really enjoyed it. Yes, but also because I wanted that collectible and then that didn't work. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll get back to this at some point. But I just put it down for a second. Yeah, Sea of Stars is definitely one game I want to get back into, but I'm just getting I'm getting absorbed by Starfield. Yeah, there's a ton to play. I mean, there's also Phantom Liberty. Is that what it's called for Cyberpunk? That comes out in two days. It comes out in two. Is it not out already? No, it's not out. I checked it's the store out. today because I want. I was like, I want to play something because I'm gonna have a ton of time on my hands, which is awesome. Over the next week, so mm-hmm. I was like, I want to dive into something new-ish. So I was either gonna do like I said, separate ways from Resident Evil Four, or I was gonna look at Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk is not out yet, so for today i'll probably start with like let me finish resident evil 4 maybe i'll play separate ways and then like we'll see how the week goes from there yeah i was i was wondering how does that work so if because i was because i was also wondering because both ways there's two ways you you purchased resident evil 4 and i was like if i buy the separate ways dlc does it work and then i purchase cyberpunk if you buy fan of liberty will it work you know what i'm saying i think so i think it's per game because I okay. think some games, an example of that would be Tiny Tina, where it didn't work. I got fucked. <laughs> but there are other examples where it does work. Like, I think Resident Evil 8, you bought and you bought the expansion and all I that did, worked and you were for me. You know what I think it is? I think that sometimes if you're on the PlayStation Store and you're buying an add-on, you'll see the size of the file. Sometimes it's really, really, really small, like almost kilobytes. I think those kind, which would be Tiny Tina, I think are really unlocked. all... Yes, I think all you're buying is like an unlock to say you can. But if you see a sizable file, I feel like you're downloading it and then your system checks it and then it works. Yeah, so I think Phantom Liberty would be like that too. Because that's I, definitely yeah. going to be a chunk. And then I think Resident Evil has been good with that in the past. I think Tiny Tina is literally the only game that's kind of like fucked me over. I agree. And we'll, yeah, and we can, we can definitely see how that's going to work. But my guess is that it, it will work fine because Resident Evil 8, there was no issues with that. Yeah. I'm I mean I'm I don't know. Right now I'm just like stuck in the middle of all these big ass games cuz like I I'm playing Starfield. I'm like about 20 hours into it, into it and I'm loving it, but then Cyberpunk's coming around and I'm like, "Oh fuck, I want to play Cyberpunk." But the thing is, I want to be reluctant to play Cyberpunk because I do think that playing Cyberpunk and going back to Starfield is going to be a little hard, especially with this like overhaul 2.0 update, PlayStation mm-hmm. 5 version graphically it's like gonna blow starfield out of the fucking water so i want to enjoy starfield while i can obviously the graphics aren't everything because i'm still enjoying starfield and i mean it straight up just looks like a ps4 game not that that's a negative mm-hmm. i mean it is a negative in terms of it's 2023 but that doesn't deteriorate from the fun that i'm having but then yeah then you got this then you got spider-man but spider-man how how big do you think spider-man is gonna be and what we'll talk about it later size in the show. or length length i think it's gonna be core to be first one was like what 20 hours you'd say 2025 i think to beat it'll be 30 hours and then i think to do everything it'll be like 50 to 60 that's not i mean that's honestly it's the crazy thing is that that's not bad because i'm 20 hours into starfield and i'm level 14 yeah i was like most games (laughs) most games are just going to be massive and i think it's it's difficult to get to everything that you want to play it just is like Baldur's gate we both want to play but it's just Mm kind of sitting there and then i'm also playing judgment on the side i think i have 10 hours in and i'm in the third chapter and i'm actively completing you know main story missions and everything else while i'm playing it but i just some games are just really really long 
And some games are easier to hop in and out of than others. And I do agree with you. I feel like I haven't played Starfield, but I feel like going from Starfield to Cyberpunk and back would be a lot. I feel like one before the other would probably be easier. Yeah, like I think I never I don't know. I know you like to play multiple games at one time. Me, I'm like kind of more apprehensive. I like to just stick with one thing. But mm-hmm. if I do do it, I can't do two massive RPGs. I can either do like a massive RPG and then maybe like a more linear game or like an indie game that's a smaller in scope. I also think I it just worked like we both it we find what works for us best and we stick with it. I think if I play one game for too long and I start to get bored, I'm never going to finish it. Mm-hmm. But it's easier for me to like play a little chunk of a game, really enjoy it, and then play something else. And then I feel like I'm getting a nice variety. But then I do end up completing those games. But there's been a lot of times where if I just mainline one game, I probably won't complete it because I'll get bored. There are exceptions. If there's a game that comes out that just absolutely floors me and I like can't stop playing it, then of course I'm not going to stop playing it. Yeah, And that's just when I know that I just love it when it's like I'm going to boot up and I want to play something else, but I like can't because I'm like, no, 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 this other thing is so much better. That's always a great feeling. But for the most part, yeah, I like to keep little bursts of variety so I don't get like too tired of anything. Yeah, and that's, you know, everybody has their own way of how they play. I think for me right now, I think I am going to mainline, not mainline Starfield, but that's like my main squeeze. And then like I have to have like my podcast game. And I think I'm going to go back to Immortals because it is a fun game to play, but I'm just going to make that like my podcast game where it's like I'm just playing it, chilling, listening to the podcast because the combat is really fun. The story I can really give a fuck about, but mm. I do want to finish that because it is a fun mechanical game. And then um, also, I'm, I mean, the crew Motorfest, we did we did play the the five hour trial that they give you for free. I don't know if you're able to still download it because I think it was like you had to download it in the first like opening weekend. Mm-hmm. But um that that was that's a really fun game too like a, a nice side like distraction game yeah we were that play- in it well, you can go my i bad. was just gonna say we were playing that on stream you could check that out at either go for bronze pod on twitch or my twitch ace nighthawk but yeah so we were streaming that and then continue what were you gonna say i was just, i was gonna say if that and x defiant can hit like that's my nice little multiplayer like side distraction game and then like you know you don't you don't you don't have to indulge in the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 nonsense. Yeah, we were talking about that just because <laughs> I was saying I could see myself breaking because I was playing Warzone this week and it was fun, especially when it's like low stakes and Warzone is free. So that's not going to go away. It's not like I can't play Warzone for free, but I wish that there were more shooters or more competition. So I didn't feel like because I know when MW3 comes out, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm kind of interested in playing a shooter. But there's no other options except for this. Unless, like you said, X Defiant does pass certification and comes out. Because that would be really great. I would like that to... I would like X Defiant to come out and take a lot of energy away from MW3's launch. And have Call mm-hmm. of Duty be like, oh shit, maybe we need to actually try. Because that's my biggest thing. is like The package they're trying to sell us as a full release is, it is very clearly just like kind of a lack of effort where you're getting the campaign is going to be something that's old, chopped up, multiplayer, something old that's chopped up. The zombies mode is not something that zombies fans want, but it's like something that fits into their new framework. Um, so, yeah, I want X Defiant to come out and be good. Yeah, I mean, I saw Justin play it a little bit, and it looked good on PC when he was playing mm-hmm. the beta. And then I also, I like the idea of it's like just random Ubisoft characters that you could like play as. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I think that's kind of cool because it's like adding like a, like the Smash Bros, like multiverses kind of style, but like to like a shooter. So that's, you know, 
That's fun. And it looks like it's mechanically sound. Like every and so everybody that plays it is like, oh, this is like old school Call of Duty multiplayer. And I'm like, I could mm-hmm. definitely be down for that. Yeah, and I like like you're saying the teams are other Ubisoft titles. So you'd have like a group that's all people from like the division or a group of people that's from Far Cry, stuff like that. I want the rabbits in there. That's what I want to be. A, I want to be a full grown six foot tall rabbit. <laughs> I know they have Far Cry, Division, Watch Dogs, Watch Dogs, and then I'd probably have to look for other ones, but probably Splinter Cell. I feel like. Oh yeah, Splinter Cell. You gotta have a what's his, what's the guy's name? Mm, Fuck, I don't. I, I don't forgot know. his fucking name. I was about but, to yeah. say Tom Clancy, my dumbass. That's what I was. That's what initially <laughs> what I wanted to say, but I'm like, no, that's what it's based on. My fucking. That just Doma. tells you it's been too long since they've like done one. It's been, I mean, the last one is what? Blacklist on PS3, right? That was 10 years ago. <sighs> that was a great game. Yeah, I remember everybody loving that game. I didn't get to play it, but but do, uh, yeah. Do you have anything new to say about Starfield? Or is it kind of just keeping stasis, doing what it's doing, you're really enjoying it? I mean, I'm, I'm loving it. And quite honestly, it's, it's up there for, it's up there for the goatee for me personally. Yeah, I mean, I think I thought throughout the whole course of the year that there are a couple of games that a lot of people were mentioning as game of the year. But in my head, I haven't seen a really clear choice. The first clear choice that I saw was maybe Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to hear that Starfield is like in the running, too. Yeah, I think for me right now, like my game of the year contenders are probably Starfield, Final Fantasy 16. Mm-hmm. And then really, that's kind of that's kind of it. I mean, I don't want to throw Dead Space in there because that's like a remake. Obviously, that's a fucking fantastic game. I recommend playing it, especially if you have never played the original Dead Space. But mm-hmm. for me, I, I like to I would like to give my game of the year to a new game. Yeah, know? I mean, I agree. I remember at the beginning of the year, I feel like I was very annoying about that being like, I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not going to consider Resident Evil or Dead Space. Like, There's <laughs> not a chance. And I think. Well, I would consider as my game of the year, I would honestly have to look back once the year is coming to a close and see everything I played because the games that stick out in my mind as being most memorable, I don't like dredge is what comes to mind. Yeah, it's like smaller, really unique games. Not to say that I haven't enjoyed a lot of bigger games, but just I can't I'm not thinking of any right now that I'm like, oh, I played this and this cracked like the top of what I think I would like the most. So I'd have to just look back. Yeah, but uh, Starfield, like you said, is basically in stasis. It's going to be a game I play for a long, long time. I'm happy I bought it. I'm happy that I that I didn't subscribe to Game Pass and I just bought the game outright. So that way, it's just like I have it whenever I like. I don't feel like pressure to complete it or finish it within like a certain time limit. But uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a fantastic game. I wish this shit was on PlayStation because mm. I, I booted up my PlayStation. I'm like, I just I like the menus of PlayStation so much better. I think the, everything about it is just. It's just more conducive for me, obviously being a big Sony fan and playing PlayStation like majority of my like life. It's obviously more, you know, familiar to me, but I don't know, the Xbox the, the screen, it just it feels like a PC. And I know that that's what they're going for, mm-hmm. but it's like I want like a bespoke like UI that's designed intentionally intentionally and I don't feel that way with the Xbox. And you're like telling just... me achievements are just like a ruined orgasm kind of just dribbles out. <laughs> I don't like achievements because they make the same fucking sound as every notification. Like what that doesn't it doesn't make special. the it doesn't yeah, it's not special. Like I like the little chimes for trophies and all that, so it's it's good. Um and it I mean it is nice the game, but the the Xbox itself, you know, it's it's alright in terms of 
and what it brings to the table. But I mean, we're, we'll talk more about Xbox. But there's some there was definitely mm. a lot of interesting news that came out about them as a company as a whole. And it's like, I don't know if I want you guys like having like storing away these good games because it just and we'll get into it. But it just like they're very like uh, in my mind are kind of bad for the gaming industry for how they're approaching things right now yeah we'll discuss that in depth for sure that list had me i had a lot of feelings <laughs> like going through that list but but yeah starfield is fantastic if you can get your hands if you can get your hands on a series s just it, it runs fine that's what i'm playing it on it you don't need you don't need to bust out the big bucks for the xbox series x and a majority of the owners of xbox are on series s so you know they're optimizing their games for that console anyway so mm-hmm. i think that that's a good route to go Especially if you, you know, I think the perfect combo is PlayStation 5 as your main and then your Xbox Series S for like whatever exclusives they have that really like, you know, tickle your fancy. I'd also recommend just buying the games outright. Don't fucking subscribe to Game Pass. They're going to have you on the hook for like $150 a year when you can just, you know, plunge the 70 and then just be done with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm in a similar boat where like I want to get an Xbox Series S, but I'll, I can wait. Maybe this holiday season something yeah. will happen you know They'll, i mean black friday there's going to be probably a crazy sale you know you can probably get one for like 200 or some crazy shit like that mm. and it depends how much of this list that we're going to talk about stays exclusive that yeah that that yeah that that's all that's all up in the air but what, you want to get into the gaming news proper yeah let's do that we can see yeah, let's start out with it how we have it written how all the right, prophecy so tells us how the prophecy tells us we're going to start off with the the biggest news in terms of PlayStation with the recent state of play recap. Uh, I'm just going to go over the announcements and then I'll just see how you feel about them, Mark. So the first, and I just kind of listed them in terms of like relevance mm. to me personally. Uh, Final it looks Fantasy like it's VII. listed out correctly. I went yeah, through like it and I, I was like, this looks, this looks like the right order. And it's just, if we're like, <laughs> if it gets boring, that's when we'll start speed running it. But all the important stuff is right off the rip. Exactly. So uh, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Finally gets a release date. Uh, Square Enix's second chapter in the Final Fantasy VII Remake project is coming next year. It's weirdly on two discs if you are still purchasing physical copies of your games. And also at the state of play, developers showed off what's next for Cloud, Tifa, Aerith, Barrett, Cat Side, and crew. And even revealed a release date, which is February 29th, 2024. And if you're like, what is February 29th? You are correct. That is the leap year. And I think that that's really fucking cool. Yeah, I do too. And I think I uh, I downloaded Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate on my system today. That doesn't mean that I'm going to play it. It just means that it's <laughs> on my system now. Just if anyone's wondering, I always have stuff downloading on my system just because it makes me feel like I'm getting a new game, even if I don't know if I'm going to play it. I thought that this was huge news in a couple of different ways. I think that it's great to get a release date. What I saw looked fantastic and just makes me want to play Final Fantasy VII. And then also... I think there's a larger implication for what our expectations are going to be going forward as just like audience members of PlayStation, because when PlayStation set up the state of play, they said, hey, this is going to be third party and like it'll be third party and it'll be indies only. But clearly there's some more this. I mean, this will be third party, but this this will be exclusive for a period of time. Correct. So they it's it's always so weird the way they the, the Final Fantasy 7 remake saga has always been weird cuz mm-hmm. the first one it seems like a de facto PlayStation plus, a PlayStation exclusive and then so they announced that this one is having at least 3 months of exclusivity they didn't specify whether it's Xbox or our console exclusivity in terms of it only being on PlayStation or PC 
exclusivity, but based on how it's been going, you're assuming three months is the contract negotiated for it to be on there. It'd probably take maybe I would say a year afterwards, the initial release to get on PC and then possibly an Xbox release. I don't know. I mean, the original Final Fantasy VII remake hasn't even been announced for um, the Xbox series or one console. So that's kind of it's kind of weird. And, you know, they've been weird and shady with that. But it seems like Square Enix has become like a de facto third party exclusive um, publisher for PlayStation, which I don't mind. I mean, I have access to all the consoles, so if there's a game I want to play, I'll have access to it, but I prefer everything staying on PlayStation because it's just, you know, trophies and all the et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, Another weird tidbit, not a weird tidbit, but something that I was like, I kind of rolled my eyes when I saw this. They're like over 100 hours of gameplay. Not necessarily thrilled about that. The original Final Fantasy VII remake did take me, I believe, around 60 to 70 hours to beat and that was me doing all the side stuff. I think if you mainlined it, it'd probably be more closer to that 50 hour mark. And then Final Fantasy 16 took me about 60, 70 hours to complete. And I did all the side stuff as well. So over 100 hours, you're talking about 30 hours more than those two games. I think that could possibly drag on. But if there's a lot of fun side shit, too, then it's, you know, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. And I think that. Well, I guess I got to complete more games of that size first to say, but that's where I'm like breaking it up for me will make it not as feel like it'll be oversaying it's welcome kind of thing, but we're just going to have to see. And I was looking at, so when I was saying that they said third party and indies, I was trying to think what capacity this would be. So if anyone's curious, if anyone's heard these terms and doesn't know what they mean, like first party, second party, third party, third party would just be a publisher that is developing a game for multiple consoles or all of them. Second party is a independent studio from a console holder, but they're making an exclusive game for it. So like Final Fantasy seven. Re- well, go ahead. Second party is when Sony or Xbox is paying for the game, like they're mm. publishing it. Uh, like, I just wanted to throw that tidbit in there. So like Final Fantasy seven remake, the first part that would be considered a second party game. Or I it's think just that up in the air. It's just weird. That's, that's like a bad example. I think, I think, yeah, I think that's a third party exclusive where maybe Sony covered marketing, mm. but that's a third party exclusive. Second party is more like Hell Divers, where PlayStation is on the ground floor of the development of the game, has input in terms of the development, mm. and is also clearly always going to be a console exclusive. Gotcha. But they don't own that studio. They don't own the studio. Heard. Okay. When they pay for the production of the of the product. Got it. But don't own the studio. First and third party are easy. Second party is where it's like you got to get to the details. <laughs> exactly. That's why I was also I I think that they don't even reference second party internally. That's why I was like hoping for uh, Stellar Blade and Helldivers mm-hmm. release dates, which we did get one. But um, but yeah, that that's always a weird gray area. The second because I mean, a lot of the first party studios that you know from PlayStation started off in a second party capacity with like Gorilla, Naughty Dog, Sucker Punch, Insomniac, mm-hmm. Housemark. Yeah, most um, almost all of them. Yeah. But speaking of first party, I mean, they went with first party anyway. They went with first party anyway, which is like, I I hope this is the last we see of Spider-Man. I don't need any more. I don't need to be sold on anymore. But mm. uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2 did get a new trailer, and it just showed an expanded New York that you can explore in the game. Now it stretches out to Brooklyn, the BK, and Queens. And a whole bunch of Spidey suits were, you know, unveiled and, you know, we're we're excited about this game. We're trying to be excited about it. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like whatever about Spider-Man 2. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to play it. But 
I don't think a trailer can get me excited. And it's the same way with God of War Ragnarok, where I kind of go, I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever is God of War. Like, I'm going to have a fun, great time and play it. But then when I play it, I'll probably be like, oh, shit. No, this is I forgot. This is a Sony first party game. This is amazing. Yeah, I, I have the same feeling. I'm avoiding trailers and stuff for Spider-Man 2 mm-hmm. just because I know I'll play it. So I don't really need to see anything. I agree in a same way where it's coming out. And yes, I'm like, this is going to be the one of the biggest, if not the biggest game of that month. But I'm kind of neutral where I know I'm going to play it. I'll enjoy it. But I'm not that crazy excited about it. Ragnarok was a little bit different because I, I was like insanely excited for it. But I think that there are a lot of first party games that I do get really excited for. But it's when it's something I was mentioning before, where it's like the, a surprise of any kind goes a really, really long way. And the fun or excitement of Spider-Man 2 at the moment will be that I don't know anything about it. So all the story beats will keep me super interested. But the game itself and the structure of it and how I play it, I can't imagine there's going to be anything that's going to be that shocking to me. So because of that, I'm not crazy excited to be like, oh, what's going to happen? How's it going to feel? Like even in even in like God of War Ragnarok, I'm thinking about what kind of combat changes are going to be made what kind of enemies am i going to be facing but that's also because that's a combat where i feel like i have to think while i'm playing it and it's really active spider-man 2 i'm going to swing around have a good time somebody's going to try to attack me i don't even have to think i'm like nobody's going to touch me here i'm going to get a 70 combo and get through this so go ahead did you have something i was also there's a weird uh thing that came out and i don't know how you feel about this I, for me i was like this is kind of dumb as fuck but mm. insomniac did announce that there's fall damage in spider-man 2 i did but you can toggle that. off you can toggle it off but i'm like what the fuck why would you that just when i saw that i was like it just felt so weird i mean i guess it makes sense like realistically wise but it's like if that wasn't in the first game why would you add a mechanic like that uh, yeah i think honestly i think probably because it's it's too easy otherwise that's all i can think of is where it's that thing where it's a little bit less engaging because like there's no i don't think i've i don't remember a single time playing spider-man where i died i'm sure it's happened but every time i play it i just think of like okay dodge icon above somebody's head maybe it's like you can't dodge it so you've got to stun them or something but Mm -hmm. you die very rarely so i wonder if they added this to add an element of like you have to be aware or like if you start dropping too fast think of like i gotta catch on to a building or something i think if you start the game and standard it's on i will leave it on and then if for some reason it's really a problem or it like pisses me off then i'll turn it off but i'll probably leave it because in my head i'm like that's their intended like they they think this is something that they want us to play it yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was that was weird. You know, that was just like a weird uh, kind of addition because I like have vivid memories of going to like the top of the Empire State Building and then just jumping all the way down and landing and be like, that's kind of cool. Mm. I would never do that. But I yeah, I think it was in. I wonder what the scale of the fall damage will be if I'm in a building that's like there's a couple of stories and I drop down a couple of stories and it takes like half my health bar. I'll probably be pissed. But it makes sense if I <laughs> jump off like a skyscraper and I die. But yeah. I th- it makes me think of old Spider-Man games where you couldn't even be on the street. Yeah. So I'm like, no matter what, it's better than that, where if you just fall, you just completely die. You can't even make your way back up or anything. And it's also funny they're adding fall damage when they give you access to two boroughs that don't have any skyscrapers in Brooklyn and Queens, where it's like a lot more like kind of like residential. So I didn't it's like think not- about that. 
So it's like, it's kind of funny they're adding that when it's like, you're not even going to be falling from high heights in those burrows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wonder why. I mean, maybe we'll maybe we'll figure out why. Maybe there's maybe there's like a mechanic or bosses or something that make that make sense. Hopefully there is obviously adding difficulty to that game, I think would be great. Um, But yeah, I don't I don't I don't know what else they can really do to make me excited I don't think there's anything they can announce because I think the more that we re- that is revealed, it would just become more spoilery. So I'm just going to take it when it comes. I believe it's coming out October 20th, right? I know I something they could announce that would have me excited. What? If there's no trophies tied to random crimes, that would be awesome. Oh, yeah. That'd that would be, nice. be a great addition. Or they made those events like a little more in depth. Yeah, that's something more like engaging than just kind of like mindless fodder. I just remember I completed the entire game and then to get the platinum, I just had to like swing around the city and wait for them to mm-hmm. spawn in specific crimes, too, which was mm-hmm. annoying because yeah. you can end up doing the same shit all over again and it not be counted towards a specific crime. But this game will be the pre-order for it. The deluxe edition will be like extra suits and some XP and points like that. But there is no early access period for the game to our knowledge. I don't think they mm-hmm. ever announced it. I wonder if Sony will ever do that. But this game doesn't have it. I appreciate that, honestly, because they could have probably made a decent chunk of change doing that. And mm-hmm. there's still time, I think, for them to, you know, change that because they announced the game. The game recently went gold as well, too. So it is playable now front to back. I just think, it, yeah, whenever they whenever that does happen, because I could see it happening, that early access date will just be the new release date. You'll just be paying more for what is the new release date because nobody's going to like that entire game story is going to be on the Internet the first day it's out. Exactly. So that's a game where it's like I I feel like mainly which kind of sucks for Sony first party games. I feel like they always get spoiled because mm-hmm. obviously the story's good as opposed to other games. Not saying that other games don't have good stories, but you know what I mean? That's like the main crux that's like their people thing, think yeah. of. Yeah, that's what they think about when they think of the first party. So it's just kind of a game where I feel like I just got to play it as quickly as possible so that way I don't get shit spoiled. Yep. That's I how agree. I approach every Sony first party game now. Yeah, I think that makes sense. That's smart. But uh, but moving on, let's talk. We were just mentioning this uh, earlier about the separate ways DLC, but it was actually announced at the state of play. And it also in tandem with that, we did get an update on the PlayStation VR 2 support for Resident Evil 4, which they said is coming out sometime this winter. So winter, you know, could be December, could be January. I think it goes all the way up until February, technically. So mm-hmm. whenever that comes out, I will be all over that because I do have a VR 2. So that sounds like a very fun game to play in VR. Did you play eight all the way through in VR? No, I haven't had my VR set up hmm. in my new apartment, but now I will be having it set up because we got the record player kind of. We got a. Th- we got. A, I don't know. If, we haven't seen it because when you came over, we were uh, staying at Pam's parents. Mm-hmm. But uh, when you come, when you do come over to our place, we got a record player thing that we can put the, the record player on top and our records on it. Mm-hmm. So then that clears up space where the entertainment console is, so I could put my. Uh, like controllers in the charging port there. Got so it. I'll have that uh, set up like readily access to me and actually be able to like use it more. So I don't know if I, I think I'm going to save my Resident Evil VR experience for four and not eight just because I like four more. And I think mm-hmm. it'd be like playing through it. I'm like, oh, there's more cool shit that's going to be in four to experience in VR. There's only one thing in specifically in eight that I want to experience again, which is like the House of Benito. Mm-hmm. Like that would be really cool to experience in VR. But other than that, I'm I'm looking more forward to four, and it's also a newer game, so hopefully there might be more, you know, updates to it, and it'd be a more cleaner VR experience. Not True. that 
village was bad at all because you were having a fucking blast playing it. Yeah, it was awesome. But yeah, I do want to play this separate ways. And it, it's nice how accurate people can be with data mining and stuff because we learned about this maybe five months ago. I remember when the game first came out. I think even out. before release, right? I think it, it, was, it was very close to release. I'm not sure which mm-hmm. side it was on, but it was very close to release. I remember people... First of all, when the game came out, of course, people were finding what pieces of the game had been quote unquote cut out or remixed based on the original. And then there people found there was like these files referencing to separate ways and they were thinking like, oh, this is going to be this Ada Wong DLC. So I am always surprised at how early things like this are put into game files. Yeah. And you know what? I was I mean, this can be a later conversation. We talk about the Bethesda leaks or the Xbox leaks that have Bethesda tides of them. Do you think that that's what's taking the the surprises out of the industry now is that the leaks are just so in depth and the accuracy of the leaks are just kind of like batting at like a 90, 85%. It feels like everything is getting leaked and we kind of know what everybody's doing before they announce it. And do you think that that's taking a little bit of a way of like the luster, like the NVIDIA leak? We're basically just looking, we just print that off and you just cross off. Okay, that one got announced. That one got announced. Now this Xbox release, we know like the whole lineup basically for Bethesda. And it's a kind of similar thing with PlayStation where it's like all these games are getting leaked beforehand and we already know what's going to come. And there's no true surprises. I think the only two true surprises I think of gaming that have been announced, Death Stranding 2 was not expecting that, and Judas. Mm -hmm. I think yes and no. I think that... Yes, seeing leaks in advance can take away can take excitement away from announcements, although I think the leaks are very exciting. Mm-hmm. I also think the way that games are announced and released separate from the leaks is a little less interesting than the way they used to be in the sense that I feel like games are announced so far from when they come out. And the way that they're announced normally gives you so little to go off of that I wonder if it's even different from getting a leak. Like you getting a 30 second cinematic trailer with not even a year at the end of it, I don't feel like is that different from getting a leak. Because even with a leak, you're like, well, whenever this is announced, they could announce it in a really cool way. They could show like a nice gameplay trailer and be like, hey, it's going to come out on this release day. And then it's still super exciting. Also, Another thing is regardless of the leak or announcement, your excite I think your excitement is going to be capped when things are predictable. And a lot of these things, while they are cool, like the NVIDIA leak, when you go through the list, there are definitely some surprises on there, but like, oh, a new Mortal Kombat. That's not I mean, <laughs> of course there's going to be a new Mortal yeah, Kombat. Yeah, yeah. A new Injustice, there's going to be a new Injustice, I think. And a lot of the things that I think that one thing that is kind of whack is a lot of the things that are most surprising are just games being remade or re- like remastered. They're not new games that are like, Ooh, what's that? Cause then mm-hmm. if there was a leak and I'm making this up, this isn't even like a real name, but if there was a game coming out that was called like, I don't know, it's a stupid ass name, but like red lava, something that you just don't know what it is. Yeah. The point is, is that that leak wouldn't really do anything except for get you really excited. Cause you'd be like, Ooh, what is that? But if you see a leak that's like, oh, this game remastered, you're like, okay, cool. But you or already sequel. know, yeah, you know everything about that game. So regardless of if it's announced or leaked, your excitement is going to be capped because like, how excited can you get for something you've already experienced? So I think so you that think there's it's less of the leaks. It's more about the products themselves in terms of being sequels or remakes. I think it's a combination. 
I think mm-hmm. that there are leaks that have taken away excitement, but yes, I also think that the products themselves, some of them are just not as exciting. And the way that the developers and publishers themselves handle announcing and releasing is also not as exciting. The fact that it's like, you don't really know. I mean, PlayStation is an easy example of like the state of plays and showcases. I never fucking know what to expect. And I don't yeah. mean what to expect like they got to give me a roadmap but i always feel like i have to temper my expectations for excitement because i more times than not don't feel like i'm seeing what i would like to see and -hmm. i know that in theory all those things i want to see still exist but it's just like when you're when you used to have these big weekends of like and i'm not saying we need to go back to an e3 but when you'd have those big weekends of an e3 yeah you'd have like an xbox show and a playstation show but in my mind i felt like it was just like this is a weekend of all things whatever mixed together but now since they're spread out it's like oh there's a playstation state of play this week my mind is just like oh i'm only gonna think of playstation things i want to see and so when i don't see those playstation things i want to see i'm like not quite as excited so uh, yeah i think I think there's numerous things that are holding back some of the excitement. Things that I think could help if I'm trying to be like positive. I think that games should be announced closer to their release date. I think that's a big thing. If they can, try not to just show a game and then show a year. Like if you could even say like winter or something, I feel like that is good. Gives more confidence. Because when you once you see the year, you're like, okay, so it's going to be delayed. And then also, I think a huge thing, and I agree with that, is if you're going to announce remasters, remakes, and the likes, if it's possible, have that join with the announcement of a new entry. Because that's always incredible to me. If they're like, here's this new game, by the way, there's also this remastered and this remake like you can get with or a little bit outside, that's great. But if your big announcement is, here's this thing you've already played, I, that doesn't really ever do anything for me. Like, I think Resident Evil, Capcom has been fantastic with that, where they have the mixture of mm-hmm. remakes and also new entries where they're equally as exciting to both, like, the fan base. Like, people are like, oh, shit, I'm getting a dope remake. But it doesn't feel tired and trotted because, you know, Resident Evil 9 is going to be in the works as well. And their remakes are games that have been that are so far back in history that they wouldn't really be that fun. They're not really playable for modern audiences anyway. So mm-hmm. those remakes and remasters, I mean, they're all remakes. They feel really well, like, deserved. Like, yes. going back and playing even Resident Evil 4, which is the latest of the bunch back in 2004, the movement is more stiff than games now. So the new one really feels like a giant improvement. Whereas if you have a remake of, like, a game that came out one generation ago, you're like... like the I, Horizon remake that we were hearing about. Yeah, you're like... <laughs> I just, or, like, even Last of Us Part 1. Like, I'm sure that yeah. it's absolutely fantastic. And I'm not saying that everything has to be for me. But I haven't bought it because I'm like, I don't really feel a need to buy that mm-hmm. and play that. I remember that game, like, beat for beat. So... And maybe that's just me as an example because I'm always playing Last of Us 1 or 2 just, like, constantly, but... I think the remakes and remasters are for are for more of the newer audience, the new people that are hopping on the games and to like get them like uh, into gaming. And it's being like, mm. you've heard about Resident Evil for your whole, like if you're like 15, you've heard about Resident Evil for your whole fucking life, people talking about it. But then you're like, well, I never played it and I don't have like a PlayStation two to play it on or a mm. GameCube to play it on or some shit. So, or I didn't, I don't want to download an old ass game on PlayStation five to play. So then 
they want to hop into it. And the same thing with uh, with Dead Space too, where that for PlayStation fans is just inaccessible. Everywhere else, you could play the old version of it, but even then, that I think holds up perfectly fine mm-hmm. in comparison to like the remake. It doesn't necessarily need one, but you know, it's uh we're in an interesting era in the industry with all these remakes and remasters. But I think, like you said, if you want to make them, that's fine. But we do need new entries or new ips from these studios it can't just be you can't be a remake studio it's also the opportunity cost thing right like where Mm -hmm. last of us part one i'm happy that it's out i know that it's the highest quality version of that game that you can play but in my mind i also think like okay well that's going to delay naughty dog on doing whatever else they're working on could have got factions by now i mean in theory i don't know the thing is like with factions is a great example like i don't know what is going on with that i don't understand how long or what's the scale of the game factions for anyone who might not know is when the last of us two came out back in 2020 naughty dog said that they were not going to include a multiplayer mode like they had with factions back in last of us one but Mm -hmm. they over time what they had said is they decided that and this the way that this was announced by the way and maybe this is part of what we're talking about with the way things are announced is factions as a whole was announced as a discussion post of being like it's cut from two and we're going to work on this and build it into its own game and that was three years ago and since then we've seen maybe one or two pieces of concept art and we don't even have a year on when it would come out and that's all that we've known for close to half a decade right like we're going to be on four years probably before we know anything unless there's a showcase in november or before the end of the year so that is something where it wasn't announced at a stream or anything. It was just like a, not a throwaway, but, and not that this is the way that they wanted to do it, but yeah, they were just like, Hey, there's this other thing we're working on and we got to develop it into its own thing. And then since then, since 2020, I mean, we got last was part one, but we don't know where factions is. We don't know what they're working on officially. Besides that, we have no clue when it would be right because of the length of when games get announced to when they come out. It's like, well, when they officially show something, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come out soon. They have gone on record. Neil Druckmann has gone on record saying that he wishes to just announce games closer to release in the future. But I think until like that happens, it's just the unknown of being like, well, is that true? How much closer are you talking? Because it's hard with no definitives. And I think that that was uh, an initiative that even Jim Ryan said, and I think that's why we haven't heard a lot from them, is that they want to announce games closer to release date because I think they learned from... I think they learned from Part 2. Last was Part 2. From announcement to release was, like, what, five years at least? Probably maybe a little bit more. I feel like... I feel like three years. I feel like it was announced in 2017, and then it came out in 2020. Really? I thought it was announced earlier. Or maybe it was like rumored and that's why it, it was It might like... have been... I think the announcement was 2017 because 2016 was Uncharted 4 and I don't think they announced Last of Us 2 before Uncharted 4 was out. I think it was 2017. Right. Okay. But I think even then, I think three years for them I think is too long. You saw the same thing with God of War Ragnarok as well where it's like this game... And even Days Gone, that was another one. That one took a long ass time too, so... They learn from like those kind of errors in their ways, and then they see like the pop of like a Ghost of Tsushima. Where I think Ghost of Tsushima from announcement to release, I feel like was like eighteen months at most, mm-hmm. and that game resonated really well with like the game, like the the core audience as well. Yeah, and even then, like even three years, like it'll be kind of. I know that we know about factions, but to me, I'm still like I don't understand how we haven't seen this. Like no gameplay. Or yeah. 
Like, I don't understand what it's going to be. It, we may never know. Also, assuming <laughs> that that should be, like, not... I know it is their main project that they're working on right now, but it was a side thing. And so, because it was also introduced as that, I don't know what the scale of it is. Like, how much of a main project should I be expecting from them? I think it's a full-on main. I think it's like it's. I think it's a main game. It's a seventy-dollar game now. I don't think Absolutely. it's a side thing anymore. Yeah. So we'll see in time. We'll see. But uh, moving on with the state of play. This next one, I know we really don't have much to say, but I just want to touch base on it. Tales of Arise Beyond the Dawn is a new expansion announced from uh, Bandai Namco from their most recent Tales game. And this expansion comes uh, two years after its release date, and it's going to be out in November 9th. Um, I don't have much experience with the Tales franchise, Mark. Do you have anything you would want to add to this? Tales of Arise is awesome. I played like three or four hours of it. We do have it. So, you know. Oh, it, good to know. Yeah, I've, I've, I bought it maybe two years ago, like close to when it came out. So we have access to it. I really, really enjoyed what I played of it. It's the first Tales game I've played. So seeing this was just like cool. You know, I, I think. More content for something we own. A lot of times, I would say a majority of the times when I see an expansion announcement, I'm like, cool. Like, I like expansions. It's There's only certain situations where it's a studio. If a studio announces a game being like, we're not going to do expansions, and then they do expansions, that hits me different. Because then I was like, okay, well, you set a precedent in my mind that hopefully you were just going to move on to the next game and you didn't. But mm-hmm. if they don't say that they're not going to do it and then they're like, hey, we're also going to do an expansion, then I just view it as like, oh, cool, like bonus. Like, I don't know yeah. what they were planning. And maybe again, I think this is a that's a really good topic that maybe we should break down really in full is the idea of like what how is excitement kind of brought on in this industry and like what's a good way to harness that? Because even them talking about what to expect, sometimes that's good, sometimes it's bad. Damn. You hear that? that was good. Yeah. That was like clear. Shout out Damn. Zeke, probably right. Yeah, Zeke. I don't know what the fuck is going on Do with you them want to check? If you, I mean, if you, if you want to, you can. Yeah, if you, if you don't mind I'll steering talk about the wheel Helldivers, for this next yeah. one. Yeah, I'm gonna go check on the dogs. Yeah. So while he goes to check on the dogs, by the way, that's like Zeke is a this like giant dog that's very, very cute, very fluffy, but not like a, a very aggressive dog. Like a very kind of, I don't know, scaredy, kind of nervous dog. So for it to like bark like crazy like that, I understand why he's like, I'm going to go check. So while he's doing that, I'll move on to the next thing in the state of play was Helldivers 2, which was surprising to see and was something that Joel called before the show, like the showcase happened was that he was hoping we would see a release date. And he was right. I kind of doubted it because of them saying third party and indies and this being a second party game for sure. So Helldivers 2 is coming from Arrowhead Game Studios, and they showed off gameplay of it. And more specifically, what's really important is they showed a release date, and it'll be coming on February 8th, 2024, and it'll be releasing on PS5 and Steam. And so it's nice that it'll be coming out on PC and PlayStation at the same time. You're going to get a bigger player base because of that. And then also something that we were really curious about is because this is another one of those games that's going to be big as a PlayStation multiplayer game. We want to know what's the pricing going to be? How are they going to bolster the player base on launch? And so now seeing that it's going to be launching at $40, I think is nice. I don't think that it will launch on PlayStation Plus Extra. I think they would have said that in the announcement with the release date if that was the case. So I think it'll just be 40 to get in, which is fine. It's not like expensive. That I, I think that's a good price. Yeah, I think $40 is a, is a really good price, honestly, especially because the game does look 
it looks a little bit higher quality than like a $40 game. And it kind of, it seems like they could have charged 70 and justified it in some aspect in terms of the production. But I think 40 is a good way to get people in. Mm. Now I do think February is a bloodbath. So that's, I also that's think it's a little far, a little further. Yeah. Cause we did, I thought this was coming out. I thought honestly we would be playing it by now. They also said end of year. So I was thinking November, maybe December. I understand they're not going to do it in October, of course, just cause it's already packed and they don't want to crowd the space with Spider-Man two already being there. But I thought, mm-hmm. Oh, by this is a super side note, but in Mortal Kombat one smoke is voiced by the same guy that voices Spider-Man. And he even looks the same. So I just like think of him as Spider-Man when I'm playing it. So it's crazy to see like Smoke getting a fatality done on him and hearing Spider-Man scream. It's very weird. So it's just the same voice, like no inflections or anything that have changed? Yeah, same voice. That's hilarious. But back to what we were saying, yeah, it wouldn't make sense for them to release it in October. But they had said before the end of the year... And I feel like November, December would be a good spot for it. February, like you're saying, I feel like it's starting to get really packed now as I feel like the big games that we know about are getting placed in that like January, February like timeline. Yeah, I mean, February has two fucking massive JRPGs in Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth and Persona 3 Reloaded. Which, so you already got two bangers. And both of those were fully... I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be all over Persona 3 yeah so and, like, and both of those games are going to take us like half the year realistically they're both like 100 hour games yeah easily so helldivers 2 i mean it, the thing is it could be it could be a good side compliment it could be the the evergreen kind of game you dive into and out of obviously i don't think it's very heavy story-wise but i think it has a good i like the comedy that's been shown in the trailers i will I also say pick up on that the first time around playing the game but i do like that maybe Maybe strategically, though, it's a pretty sound choice because in both of those games, Persona 3 and Final Fantasy 7, the target audience for Helldivers is probably not going to play either of those games. You you are right. I mean, I guess we would be the audience that is that crossover, but I think a majority, like the hardcore Final Fantasy Persona fans, don't give a fuck about Helldivers. Because mm-hmm. like, we, we're naturally going to try most things, and... Mm-hmm. We saw games get shifted around in October, specifically with Alone in the Dark getting pushed into January, but that made sense because they would have had to go against Alan Wake, and I don't think that they... No disrespect to that studio, I'm interested in Alone in the Dark, but I don't think that they would be able to survive that, and so I think that was a smart choice to kind of shift to a different time, but I feel like those are direct competitors. We're Helldivers and those JRPGs. I don't know if they would compete. Of course, there's going to be people that are going to play both, but I wonder if that's mm-hmm. how Sony's looking at it. Yeah, I think that they're. It also they're comes out first. Like, it comes out first. It's a little bit cheaper, so I think that that's what they're kind of banking on. Yeah, I think so too, for sure. But uh, moving on along, we got a uh, Avatar: Frontiers of Pandora. We got a new uh, trailer, you know, showed off by the Ubisoft massive entertainment team. Uh, it looks, you know, it looks fun. It looks great. We did find out the time period it's set in. It's set between the first and second Avatar movies. It still looks like it's coming out December 7th, 2023. So later on this year. Um, This game, I mean, it just gives Far Cry vibes. That's what basically everybody's saying. It looks like a Far Cry expansion, but just an Avatar. So I'm excited to to try it out. I think it would be a good palate cleanser for the end of the year. We're going to get a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of story. This seems like a nice like kind of just go into it and have fun. 
Yeah, I think that it being Far Cry just in Avatar, I think that's cool. I have no issues with that at all. Mm-hmm. And it does look great, you know? Yeah, and then it's good to know what they're doing in the future because we'll talk about Massive later as well. Yeah, definitely. Massive, I mean, it seems like Ubisoft is slimming down the amount of teams and kind of just diving into their developers that really are performing for them. Yeah, which is good because we're going to see... I feel like right now not a lot of people are talking about it, but I mean, in October, we're also going to have Assassin's Creed Mirage. Yeah, I think that that's going to be a sleeper too. And that's also, again, a little bit budget, so... I wonder how that'll sell. Because I know it's Assassin's Creed, so you would think it's going to sell well, but because I don't feel like I hear about it, I I'm, I wonder, because I feel like games now, when they don't sell, they like really don't sell. Yeah, it's it's the extreme. There's no like, well, this game, because back in the day, also games used to not, used to like a million copies was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Now it feels like any fucking game can sell a million copies. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know what they're expecting from Assassin's Creed Mirage, but that looks like a game. I would probably put it in the like what, like one, one point five million, probably after two weeks. I would think I'm so. Not, I'm not thinking it's going to be like a five million seller. And it's just the way that people also view it, right? Where I, I mean, you see it all the times in review comment sections and stuff like that, where people are like, "Oh, this is a Game Pass game. This is a PlayStation Plus game. This is a sale game." So I think there's a lot of just like i'll wait i don't need to buy this on launch which i hate that narrative because it devalues the value of games yeah it's like really annoying you're gonna get worse games because of that if you're cool with mm-hmm. just not cool with if you're actively wanting to wait and be like i'll just play this later then you shouldn't be expecting anything that'll be good enough that'll demand your attention immediately because you're you're training developers to be like well we'll make something that like people are fine with but not something that people mm-hmm. want immediately but I mean, I'm excited for it. I hope it does review really well. I'm just saying that I kind of forgot about it for a second. Yeah, I feel like every, it, the thing is, it's scaring me. It's giving me a little bit of Immortals vibes where it's like everybody's like kind of forgot about it. And then everybody really forgot about Immortals. I think Assassin's Creed as a name definitely has a lot more weight. So it will survive off the strength of that. And it's how much cash that marketing wants to put towards it as well. I think of like product discovery on the PlayStation Store, right? You're going to see what they want to show you which like obviously does make sense but what i mean by this is like it wasn't very long but even when mortal kombat 1 came out for like a day or two if you went on the store that was the only thing you would see you would pull up and the whole yeah. first screen was that but that was only like a day or two and there's other examples where it's a lot more like when star wars came out i felt like the whole yeah. star the whole store was that star wars game for like a, i feel like a week like a solid amount of time and definitely a, you'll see the same thing with spider-man too yeah and assassin's creed mirage like i'm not I, I just haven't really seen on there but maybe they'll do it closer to release and another thing mm-hmm. too is maybe they know and ha- they have data that shows them like we don't we just need everyone to know about it the week it's coming out yeah because like, you don't really have to prepare especially with digital games you just buy it anywhere you can download it remotely from your phone so i think they probably know that too where they're like we just need everyone to know about it when it's out, but it doesn't have to be super early or anything like that because you don't want people to see it and then forget it. Or they do the early access thing, you know? Yeah. Which I don't think they're going to do because that would have already been announced because it would have been like I'll check. this upcoming week. While, while, you, while you hit the next one, let me. I'll check that. All right. So then the next game we saw is uh, Baby Steps. It looks like it's a silly walking simulator from the creators of Ape Out. It was a showcase there, you know? I'm going to be honest, 
this game was kind of like the low light in terms of the announcements. It seems like it's in the vein of like the Octodad and the uh, uh, Untitled Goose Game Goat Simulator, where it's like these are kind of funny stream games, but I don't really know what's the weight and what's like the like the the stickiness. I don't know what's gonna keep somebody playing Baby Steps forever, but you know it's cool to see that it's coming on out. I I don't really have much else to really say about it. Uh, do you have anything you want to say about Baby Steps? I know that it's by the same person who made Getting Over It, which is that game where you're like a dude in a cauldron with a, like a pickaxe or a hammer, and you have to like yeah. get up uh, just like a big area. And like you said, it's kind of like a streaming game. It's like a game people are going to stream and probably have fun with where it's silly and you'll laugh at it. It's, it reminds me of another game that I don't remember the name of it, but there's a game I feel like I've seen a lot of people playing where it's like third person just running around, but it's just climbing obstacles that are like all oddly placed and trying to see how high you can go up and like they're fun to watch but i agree i don't i'm probably i probably wouldn't play it by myself but then again i don't know because if i'm playing it and it is just like fun then it doesn't matter it's a good time but i think a game like that doesn't show well like though i feel like that would only show well if you see somebody streaming it or you play it it's not like you're gonna see a cinematic trailer of that and be like "Ooh, this is interesting yeah so you know uh, that was a that was yeah like I said that was kind of the low light for the showcase for me. Mm-hmm. But then moving on, I am a little bit interested in Honkai Star Rail. I want to play that too for sure. I'm definitely interested yeah. in that. So you know the role playing game looks like it has a little bit of Persona kind of vibes with it, and uh, it looks like it's coming out October 11th. Uh, you could pre order the game, which it's not free, right? It's ten dollars. I don't know. I've Which been, I thought it was free. I've been confused about that. The, when you look at it on the PlayStation Store, it shows as being $10, but I, I'm i pretty sure it is a free game. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't... I'm Honestly, I'm not... The, the, the marketing behind that is a little confusing because I haven't been able to find a free version that you can download on the store, so I do believe it may be a little bit of a buy-in at $10, which uh, I don't think is the end of the world because it does look like you're getting a lot. Um, Honkai Star Rail, if you are interested, is already available on Android, iOS, and Windows PC, so you can give it get a little taste before getting it on the PS5 version. I think it and is then, free, by the way. I think it's it free, free, so I think this $10 version is like, uh, when you go to the description, like yeah, it says the Honkai Star Rail pre-order bundle includes a bunch of in-game like currencies, XP boost, stuff like that. Purchasing before server launch will grant these things and the game. I think it's just ten dollars if you want these like bonuses prior to the game coming out. Because they can't put a free uh I don't I'm forgetting what the word is for it, but you can't preload something that's free, I don't think. I'm pretty sure preloading has only ever happened for games that are paid. Yeah, that makes sense. That does that checks out because yeah, it just says game bundle every time you look it up look it up, so I guess it's not, it's not, it is free to play when it does come out, so you just have to wait. But uh, I am interested to give that a try. Probably not when it's coming out, because mm-hmm. it's in the middle of October, so there's a lot of good shit to be playing, but this is going to be an evergreen game, and it's going to be a game that you get more content when you come to it later anyway, so. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I'll be fun, fun to play that. And this next thing, I am excited to try out this beta uh, coming out next week. So Foam Stars is getting an open beta. It's Square Enix bubbly take on a Splatoon style shooter. And it's going to be an open beta that runs from September 29th to October 1st for PS5 players in North America. Yeah, I'm excited to play it too. I mean, I think that 
when this game was first shown, I didn't really understand the hesitancy or the negative feedback from certain people where they're like, oh, it's just Splatoon. That's fine. There's no Splatoon on PlayStation. I get it if it's on the same console and people don't have access to it. But if there are people that are going to get access to something similar, because it might still just be really good in its own right, that's okay. It's fine for there to be competition. It's not like because one game exists in a genre, there can't be. Now, there's something to be said if it gets oversaturated. But one new one, I don't. Who cares? And well, maybe it's really good. Yeah, people get really weird with Nintendo. Yeah, that's true. And like copying their shit, like everybody, there can never be another Smash game. It's only Super Smash. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, other people can make these kind of games. Like, there's like you know that would be like there's no other first person shooters besides Call of Duty, which it kind of feels like that now. But you will have the liberty, and nobody will give you shit. But it's you know the the Nintendo fans. They're ravenous. They they love their Switch. They love the stinky Switch. Yeah, and if it's good enough, they're not going to say anything. Like, I don't know if this is crazy to say, but I don't feel like it is. You're not going to hear anybody be like, oh, there can't be another Breath of the Wild game when it's like, there are some Breath of the Wild clones that are not good, but you're not going to hear anybody complaining about Elden Ring. I'm not saying it's mm-hmm. a clone, but I am saying that those are the similar style of games. It's inspired. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, yeah, if it's so... good enough, nobody's going to say anything. But also, yes, you're I right. Have... It's a, that's a Nintendo thing. Yeah, the Nintendo fans are they're ravenous. So I don't, I don't have any issues with Foamstar copying Splatoon because again, we don't have that on PlayStation. And I'm excited to actually give it a try. I've heard good things from the previews that it plays well and it's very fun. So and Square Enix has been making good stuff. Like I think the Japanese company Square Enix and Capcom have been like in a resurgence in this like end of PS4, PS5 generation. So I'm excited to see what they got coming out. And mm. it's a new IP. So we love to we love to see that. So yeah, I'm excited for that for sure. And then the final thing that I have here from the PlayStation State of Play is actually really interesting for me personally because it has actually the colors I finally want. Is it which is PS5 DualSense colors and plates for the console. So we got the um, mineral colors. We got volcanic red, cobalt blue, and sterling silver. How do you feel about the colors, Mark? And is there any that you would be making a purchase on? Probably not. I think they're they're all really cool. But I think that I have four controllers at the moment. And so I feel like... Damn, you have four? Yeah, I feel like I'm, I have the base one, the base white one. I have red. Mm-hmm. And then I also have the like night or neon, almost like ocean blue. Mm-hmm. And then I also have the edge, the pro one. The edge? The edge. So because I have those four, I'm like... I mean, I could get another one, but I feel like five is excessive. Like, uh, yeah, four is enough where my controller charger, like the dock, it has two slots in it. So if I have one of my regular controllers out, I have the other two regular ones charging, and then I have my edge in its carrying case on the side charging. And like that looks nice and aesthetically is pleasing. More than that, I don't know. I feel like technically speaking, my white one is kind of broken so i guess if i wanted to replace it i could and now that i'm thinking about that maybe i will do that because the r2 trigger the um what is it the hispanic feedback the hispanic hispanic the hispanic (laughs) feedback is fucked up on mine where instead of hispanic feedback didn't make the border yeah it's still legal instead of like (laughs) pressing back and giving you the feedback you need it kind of just like cracks under the pressure so the r2 button doesn't really have any feedback in it yeah it doesn't give you that exactly it doesn't do that anymore it doesn't roll it doesn't roll the r exactly it doesn't roll the r so i think if i was going to replace an i would replace that now if you're wondering which one i would replace it with i would probably get the sterling silver 
But that's also because I have red and blue already. Yeah, I'm excited because this is the red I wanted. The original red, I was like, I don't like how deep it is. I want like a bright red. So I probably might go volcanic red. And I might, I like the sterling silver plates because mm-hmm. it's like PS1 kind of vibes. Yeah, I was looking, I was looking back at my, um, the controller I'm using right now is the blue one. But on the charging dock, the red one, you're right. It's like a wine red almost. Yeah, so I like this volcanic red. So I might, I might dip my toe into that, but I'm kind of good, and I I really like the aesthetic of my controller setup because I just have a white and black one, and I really like how that looks. I was actually thinking about buying the black plates and having my PS5 mm. be white and black, oh, too. You gotta get the LeBron one. Hell no, that shit is You don't want that? Lame. You saw I'm that lame. video I sent you right where he has yeah. it. He... PlayStation. <laughs> PlayStation. Right, LeBron knows what's up. Yeah, the stand that he had it on, though, I was like, that's very cool. Where'd you get that? Yeah, the role. Well, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be partnered with PlayStation. Yeah, the, the stand was very cool for it because yeah, LeBron James has like a exclusive system plates and controller. But mm-hmm. the way he had it standing up, it was on like a pl- uh, stand that held the system up, but also looked like it had all the PlayStation logos like etched into it and like a piano black. And I was like, that I'm interested in. Yeah, but you know, Jim Ryan gave him the exclusive. That, he gave him the custom. That's true. I mean, I wouldn't use it for here anyway because I have my PlayStation horizontal in like my entertainment center. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have my PlayStation behind my TV, so it actually the plates probably would be the last purchase I'd make. But I do like the idea of like the silver plates just because it does look aesthetically cool, like a old school PlayStation one. Plus, now that I have stickers all over mine, to be honest, I kind of like am sentimental with these plates now. Even though I know I could just swap them out, I it, it's very uniquely like my system in my head. Yeah, that that's cool. But that's all. That's all from the state of play. How would you rate the overall state of play? I didn't, like, what did you think? I think it was solid. I think it was solid. Are we doing numbering or like grades? We can do a number. What would you give it on a scale from one to ten? On a scale of one to ten, one being VR only. <laughs> and they're only remasters and 10 being we know what all the first party is doing. I would give it a. I feel like I would give it an eight. Well, I feel like I would give it an eight because Final Fantasy seven is huge and I'm excited for that. Helldivers is important to know. And I think Spider-Man is good to know. I also think Resident Evil four is really cool. So I think that they had the things that they did. I think Foam Stars is cool mm-hmm. to know honkai i think all the things that they showed i know that i have interest in playing even the tales of arise thing that's the main thing for me specifically i don't know if on a general scale for everyone i'm saying this is like a eight level one but for me every almost everything on here i will play so i feel yeah. like for me to rate it lower would be kind of like not genuine yeah i think for me i'm a little bit lower than you i'm like i'm at like a seven mm-hmm. i think it's I think this is the bare. This is like the bare minimum I want all state of plays to kind of be. Like it has interesting announcements, but nothing that's like mind blowing. That's fair. I think for me to get into that eight range, I would need a tease of something from first party, or like uh, for me to get it to an eight, it would have to be like Infamous Remastered Collection or Resident Resident or Resistance. That's t- like that's something ten to me. That's ten territory. Either of that's those. ten for you, I, dude. It's especially i think remasters don't push it to 10 for me depending on what it is i think it scales i think the scale is important like when dead space was announced whatever that was announced in is probably like a nine or a ten to me because that was huge Mm -hmm. even resident Evil 4 we kind of knew about but still like whenever they showed it i was like holy shit so i think 
those kind of announcements nine or above to me like there's just something there that i'm like really excited for this being like great is i'm like i think i'll probably play all of these but there's nothing here that was that surprising or i'm gonna be like crazy to play day one except for spider-man falls in a seven for me but spider-man is like what am i not gonna play it yeah it's not even like i'm thinking actively like ooh, i can't wait to play it i'm just like well i'm gonna i'm gonna clock in when it comes out yeah it's like you know jim ryan's gonna sit you down and be like you have to play it, and you're gonna just listen to daddy jim yeah exactly because then if you don't play it <laughs> the next day you're gonna see like the post credit scene <laughs> on never miss and they're gonna be on talking never about miss. how great it was while you didn't play it be like yeah it was crazy miles morales fucked mary jane in front of spider-man ign probably the first day it's out is going to be like spoiler alert and then put the spoiler in the article title (laughs) so that'll definitely happen too yeah it'd be like isn't it crazy that tom hardy plays venom in the new spider-man 2 you're like wait what the fuck i didn't know that yeah they'll they'll reveal whatever but yeah i yeah i would say eight i thought it was really good and especially but i don't know it's tough I don't think they've had what I would consider a 9 or 10 in a long time. I think the last time they had an actually fantastic showcase was like the first one when PlayStation 5 was coming out and they showed like Gran Turismo. In 2020? Yeah, I think. When they like after like Grant, after Last of Us yes. and uh, Ghost. I think that was the last one that I can think of where I was like, holy shit, like these are the games. Because they had Miles Morales in there too. Mm-hmm. God of War, Gran Turismo, all that shit. Yeah, that that was a good line. Horizon, even Pragmata, when it, we thought it could actually be a thing. Yeah, that was like that's what I'm saying. That I thought that showcase was crazy. Yeah, no, that was that was that's the last time that I think that they were at a nine level for me. That's what they need to get back to. And hopefully, we get something like that later on this year. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, but, uh, this wasn't the rumor thing that we were hearing about. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that'd be rough. And I think, yeah, I don't think this was, but. uh this was actually, I think, a little bit more exciting for me, these leaks from Xbox. So we basically know Bethesda's future lineup. And uh, I want to put a little disclaimers out before this with the leaks. Uh, Phil Spencer has already gone to Twitter and announced that these are old documents and that things have been rescheduled and things are have been changed. So this isn't exactly how things are going to come out. And I think that it could obviously mean that some of these games are maybe on the cutting room floor, but we'll go into them. Uh, so, and also the timelines, you can already tell this is pre COVID with how fast things were supposed to come out uh, because there's things that should have, we should already have access to that. We clearly don't or haven't even heard about being officially re- announced, mm. but uh, we'll go financial year by financial year. So Bethesda said in their leaked documents that financial year 2022, we were expecting oblivion remaster. Indiana an Indiana Jones game that was head, headed up by Machine Games. And then we also have in financial year 2023, Doom Year Zero and DLC. Something called Project Kestrel, Project Platinum. And then financial year 2024, The Elder Scrolls Six, Which is crazy to think about. That should never come out in 24. Yeah, that will, I don't, I think honestly that's probably going to be the next gen console. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's even coming out on this on the series and then uh project kestrel expansion licensed ip game and then fallout 3 remaster and then these are the these are the two games where i was saying i think that i don't know if these are still going to be a thing ghostwire tokyo sequel dishonored 3 and then the doom year zero dlc i think that that will be a thing but the, the ghostwire and dishonored 3 i think could be games that 
have been canceled. I think, but everything else, Ghostwire Tokyo, is, I think will get a sequel. I would love to. That was, I think it I, will. That was my third favorite game of last year. I, so I love Ghostwire, and I would love for a sequel to come out. But I could see it being on the cutting room floor now. I could see that also happening, but I feel like that studio Tango. That's, I feel like they're safer doing a sequel of that than heading up a new project, especially considering. Shin- the head left. Yeah, the head left. So I think I could see that. Dishonored yeah. 3, I don't know either, but they're better off letting Arcane do single player stuff than trying to do like another Redfall type game. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, but uh, they lost a lot of the Dishonored crew fr- from Redfall. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people left Arcane. So, but let's take it all in, Mark. I think the most important thing is obviously we're a PlayStation focused podcast. What do we think is coming to the console? I think there's a few. Do you think of any of these are going to be coming to the console? I think that there is a chance we get the Ghostwire sequel if that does come out. Mm -hmm. I also think that there is a chance we get Doom. I don't think there's a chance we get anything else on this list. Wow, I'm I'm on the opposite end. I think think we're getting both remasters, and I think that's it. Hmm. Because I think that Xbox has uh, kind of followed this mantra of it's of it's already existed, they get it, but then they've you know gone back and forth with that. We've seen like Minecraft Legends, obviously not to the same scale as these games. They were probably just doing that to get as many eyeballs or as many uh, purchases of that game. But then you saw the Quake remasters come over. So I think that Fallout Three and Oblivion remasters will be coming to PlayStation. I don't think the new Doom is. I know that's that breaks your heart because yeah. you do love Doom. Yeah, that's a, that's a problem. I, do, I don't think the new Doom's coming, and I don't think Ghostwire sequels coming. Even though it was technically an exclusive on PlayStation for the first year, I think Xbox is, if, and also from these leaked documents, we kind of just see. I think Xbox is trying to kill PlayStation at this point. I think that that's true. I think that this looks like a. I mean, I wonder what Project Kestrel and Platinum is, but this is... I wouldn't say expected, because I wouldn't expect a Fallout 3 or Oblivion remaster. And Doom is one of those ones where I never actually know when they're going to announce them or when they're going to come out, but I still don't really... You know that's what they're making. I also still don't view this... Like, I know Xbox owns them, but this is still not to me like, oh, Xbox is coming out strong. Like, no, these were all going to probably happen <laughs> no matter what, just now they're under Xbox's name. You know, like it Bethesda was going to work on these games no matter what. And then Xbox bought them. So I know that we have to say like, oh, Xbox coming out strong. But I'm like, no, no, no. Bethesda's coming out strong. It's like Xbox's other. It's the family tree, dude. Yeah. Xbox. Your favorite Xbox characters are the are Fallout. Your favorite Xbox universe is Fallout and Elder Scrolls. Yeah, like where's Perfect Dark? Xbox exclusives. From the initiative. But I mean, we're not here to talk, I guess, shit to be negative. (laughs) I think that. Thinking about the remasters and seeing if they'll come to PlayStation, where the fuck is that Fallout 4 PS5 SKU? They announced that like a year ago. That's why I'm saying this is a lot of pre-COVID shit, and this is a lot of also pre-Redfall stuff. So that's why I think Dishonored 3 is something that's not going to be a thing, Mm. but yeah, I don't know. They're they're behind on the timelines, and also you saw in the uh, leaks as well that they were scrambling last year to fill in the gaps. Because they knew that nothing was coming out. Indiana Jones was announced a while ago. 
Indiana Jones was announced a hot minute ago. We haven't even seen a fucking. So is that trailer. other game Contraband? Remember? Contraband, Avowed. Yeah. Hellblade Two. Avowed. They've showed more of, and I feel like that mm-hmm. will come out. Obsidian's been good in terms of they're like their insomnia. Hellblade is taking a surprising amount of time. I'll be honest. I think, especially considering I, what Hellblade was. And I, first of all, I fucking love Hellblade, so there's no disrespect mm-hmm. at all. I just am surprised how long it's taking based on the kind of game it was. And I think that that's because Microsoft is, I mean, there's no rumors. It's just me, you know, shooting off, shooting off the hip. I think that Microsoft is wanting them to make it a bigger thing than what they probably Ninja Theory initially planned mm-hmm. for it. Making it more open world or whatever the fuck. But I think, uh, I don't know. This is an interesting lineup. These games are all games that I would want to play and, and are interested in. But I don't know if you also saw about the uh, the price of putting these big AAA exclusive games on Game Pass. Mm-mm. So they were in talks with like you know the EAs and the Warner Brothers, and then so that was also part of these leaks. And they were trying to get Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, or not Fallen Order Jedi Survivor on Game Pass. Mm-hmm. These are also pre-COVID numbers, so they may have they they may be more honestly now. But the EA was asking three hundred million dollars mm-hmm. to have it on Game Pass day one. And this, and then also Immortal Kombat that was going to be two fifty. Yeah. And Suicide Squad was going to be another three hundred. And then um, I forgot there was another game in there, but it was kind of like crazy to see that they were trying to get these games, and it kind of also shows that they didn't get them, so they didn't front the bill because that's mm-hmm. way too fucking expensive. You're basically paying for the development of a game that you don't own. And those games are yeah. going to sell. So it's like that. I know that they EA and Warner Brothers in those positions are like, well, you have to pay this because we know that it's going to sell. Exactly. And I think that that's probably why they foregoed it anyways, because EA is making more than 300 million dollars on that game mm-hmm. on PlayStation alone. So I don't I don't I, you know, it's it's interesting to see those prices, but then it also shows you what they did have on Game Pass this year. They had Liza P. They had Atomic Heart. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Xbox Game Pass is going to be living in that, like, you know, A to double A for third party exclusives. Oh, Wulong also, mm-hmm. which I know you love Wulong, but that's not triple A. It's more like double A mm-hmm. than anything. Sure. So it's just kind of it's interesting to see that what Game Pass is going to end up becoming, where it's like it's not going to be this promise of triple A games outside of the first party, because they kind of they kind of made that was the initial, you know, idea. It's going to be like Netflix. You're going to have like everything you fucking want on this one thing. And it's like, that's just kind of not feasible for games. And I think these publishers are kind of realizing that charging these astronomical amounts and not getting the games on there. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying you wonder, well, I mean, what Bethesda's cost would be. No, no, no. I'm, I was just I was just making an observation about like the fact that I think that game passes just kind of be like a first party machine and mm-hmm. then maybe second party or and then in terms of like their third party exclusives, it's going to be just kind of these middling games and not the great triple A games. Yeah. Cause if you have a great triple A game, it's going to sell. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I agree fully. I hope and that I also, some of these come to PlayStation. I do hope some of these come to PlayStation. And then also another observation I was making, you know how they're going big into Japan, having all the Yakuza games, teaming up with Sega, mm-hmm. with Persona, having all those games on there. And I think that that's not a ploy in terms of Xbox trying to break into the Japanese market, I think it's for them to fill the Game Pass catalog because the dollar is so strong against the yen, they can afford those games. Mm. So if they give a studio like Square, uh, not Square Enix, like Capcom, they like for Exo Primal and 
uh, Sega for all these other games. If they give them $20 million, $5 million, that goes a lot longer. It stretches a lot longer in Japan than it does here in in the States. That's true. So they're just looking for cheaper content to fill up the subscription service. Because, I mean, Xbox has no presence in in Japan at all. So there's no reason for them to, like, kind of get those games. That's just to, like, make their Western audience think that they have stuff on the service. Mm, That's true, especially if you especially if you think that the consumers are just looking for more to play but not necessarily not necessarily particular about the quality of what they're getting and of course these games that you're mentioning like persona yakuza are all fucking incredible but i think that i'm saying for people who haven't experienced them they're just like oh something new to play they're not like oh man i didn't get this game they're just like oh look at all this stuff on game pass and it's just like you just hear quantity 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 that's like that's not necessarily like should be the good thing and then i also do think too with uh the game pass just like filling it up with stuff is that these uh these japanese markets know that they're not they're not going to make five ten million twenty million dollars on xbox anyways in terms of selling their games that's true buys games so they're like we're just take this bag and then we'll make all the money on playstation console and switch that's true yeah it's definitely true i mean we've heard stories about certain developers really making it out and not finessing on purpose but doing very good based on certain deals the sabotage studios comes to mind with sea of stars how they are on game pass are on plus were showed in nintendo directs and also playstation marketed the game and also it's selling well so it's like for some developers Mm -hmm. if they're smart enough this can be fantastic but it's for it's for xbox and even with playstation because i haven't looked too much at playstation side of extra and how they're looking at it i mean right now we know that this month's offering being like all star ocean is clearly because there's going to be a new star ocean game and that's a little whack but i i don't know how they view it outside of that like on a general month-to-month basis yeah i think again i don't know i think they playstation and xbox have two wildly different approaches i agree i think plus is more of like a secondary stream of income Mm -hmm. i mean it's probably i mean they make more money probably on plus than they do their first party titles because it's consistent Mm -hmm. but um but yeah it's not viewed as like the main thing like you don't you don't come to playstation for plus you come to playstation for the games the first party games and then plus is like a secondary thing where you can catch up on old shit that you didn't get or anything like that agreed yeah i think when i log on to my playstation i'm just logging on and looking at whatever but on my xbox i'd probably be like what's on game pass first exactly so you're not even thinking about buying games that's true ever. yeah trained us to do that trained us to unintentionally do that. So yeah, but like it, it still happened i think it's intentional on xbox i think that's what they're trying to do mm. i think that that's how they're trying to garner value we'll see if it works Let's let's see if it works. Um, so we got next coming up here. I mean, we're not surprised by this <laughs> by this Mm-mm. new story. Uh, Glenn Schofield is leaving Striking Distance Studio. He's uh, leaving Striking Distance Studio to pursue new opportunities. In quotes, and it's reported by Bloomberg that uh, Schofield left the studio voluntarily alongside Chief Operating Officer Stacy Harada and Chief Financial Officer Johnny Hughes. Uh, Chief Development Officer Steve Papadis, like I think is how you would pronounce that, has been appointed the new CEO. He previously worked with Schofield at Visceral Games. Um, you know, we all know the story of Callisto Protocol came out, 
it didn't meet the sales expectations and definitely did not meet uh, quality expectations in terms of all the reviews and all that stuff like that. So how do you feel about his departure? I'm curious what the future of the studio will be because I don't think that Callisto will get a sequel. I honestly would like it to get a sequel, but I don't think it will. So I don't know what they would do next. So Mm -hmm. I also feel like so much of that studio was being like, hey, we've got the guy from Dead Space and this is a Dead Space adjacent game. So without him, I don't know what direction they'll take it. And I also don't know what he's going to go do. But his stock is close to disappeared in my mind now where I'm like, I don't really care where he goes because he is not that value that was assigned to him prior to this game coming out. Prior to this game coming out, it's like, oh, we've got the guy who created Dead Space, so he's going to lead us. Well, that didn't happen. So now I'm like, I don't really care where he goes or what he does. I, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I'm not thankful for, obviously, his career, and he's done great stuff for us. And I also still think Callisto's like a good, like a fun game. Yeah. But it's not a great game, and it wasn't what we expected it to be. And yeah, I'm more so curious of what the actual studio itself will do moving forward. Let's go feel. I mean, I hope the best, right? I mean, if it's mm-hmm. voluntary, hopefully it's not like bad blood. Hopefully he moves to a new team and does some good work. I feel like he would integrate into an existing team better than trying to create a new team again. Yeah, I think that that's a different skill to start up a whole new project mm-hmm. and then, you know, execute. Because, I mean, they were predicting that the game would sell 5 million copies, which is not soft, but not crazy in today's gaming market like a lot of games i feel like hit that threshold Mm -hmm. and then it ended up only selling around two million copies and that's probably a lot of it also like discounted rates too because it didn't even i don't think it even charted top 10 in mpd when it came out and the budget was also massive for it i remember being very surprised yeah we learned that it was 180 million dollars which which I speculated that it was just kind of like they were rushing production. Like they were hiring a lot of outsourced people to speed it up so that it came out before Dead Space because they knew it wasn't going to hit the same way as Dead Space. Mm-hmm. But And visually it looks great. Like it looks expensive. And I don't know how a budget of a game is actually broken up. Like what percentage of a budget goes into visual fidelity or what budget goes into quantity of content right like maybe coding mm-hmm. or writing quests and stuff like that so that would be really cool to look at but the game was not very long you could finish that game in like five or six hours and there's not really like there's now dlc to do but at launch there wasn't really like extras or more to do so for that price and to just be like and i'm not saying i need a hundred hour game but that budget for a five to six hour game that was like okay is surprising to me it kind of makes me be like well where did the cash go and this is also saying that within that five to six hours you're seeing a lot of the same enemies you're not using a lot of weapons so like that also comes into play if it's like an eight hour game but it's packed with a ridiculous amount of variety and unique items and stuff then it's different but it's five to six hours of like i'm using the same like two or three weapons and i fought the same sub boss multiple times I mean, I think of the $180 million, it all came because of Josh Dumel, you know? He's just running That's up the check. Too. That's true, too. Hiring, like, uh, and also, I'm for the girl from Kimiko uh, the from The Boys, yeah. Her also being mm-hmm. in it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of sad to see. It kind of, you know what it's giving me vibes of? 
uh, Devil Devil deviation is that the one with uh jason glumdell that oh, he loved? didn't even get anything out yet they, it kind of seems like yeah they didn't even get anything out but this kind of seems like it's going down that path where it's like this like you said i don't know the the state of the studio like if it's gonna survive this. there's so much news of studios forming and breaking up and people leaving that it's really hard to it's hard to analyze it and give a good hypothesis of what's gonna happen next I feel like mm-hmm. so it is it is kind of hard just because I mean, game development, as we're learning, is ridiculously expensive. Mm-hmm. So starting something on your own, you have to have a lot of capital from an outside source. And that just kind of seems like it's harder and harder to gain with interest rates going up. And spe- in the U.S., I don't know how the world economy operates, but mm-hmm. I know in the United States, the interest rates are going up crazy. So it's kind of hard, I feel like, to start up a new studio and get like a loan from a bank and like you know start the whole process and then it just puts so much more pressure on that initial release exactly it puts too much pressure like you saw with cluster protocol and then it just doesn't meet up to standards because i think a game selling two million copies your first game as a studio that's pretty solid as a first effort Mm -hmm. yeah they just went maybe too big budget i don't know there was a lot of things with that game so there yeah there was a lot of things with that game but uh it's unfortunate hopefully striking distance studio sticks around but uh, Glenn Schofield leaving is not a good sign. Yeah, I agree with that, especially since he was the driving force like for that game. He's like the face of it. Mm-hmm. But uh, moving on, speaking about another director, Star Wars Jedi series director Stig Stig is leaving Respawn. Uh, the director of both Star Wars Jedi games is leaving Respawn Entertainment and EA CEO Andrew Wilson teased unannounced projects currently in development at Respawns, calling the studio one of the most incredible acquisitions ever done in the industry. He also complimented the team by saying they're an incredible team. They've created incredible value for us, for our shareholders, and certainly for these global communities of players across Apex and the Jedi series. And the director himself of both Star Wars Jedi games hoped to make actually a third game. He said in an interview at IGN, I always wanted to see this as a trilogy. And then he also talked about the second game is uh, with survivors. How can we take Cal and the crew to new places beyond what we were doing in the first game? We had a pretty decent idea of time frame where we wanted Survivor to take place, what the stakes were going to be, what the tone of the game was going to be, what Cal was going to be up against and how the crew was going to factor into that. And there's ideas of what we can do beyond that as well. So this seems this departure seems a little bit more questionable just because striking distance studio Glenn Schofield leaving the game didn't perform. That makes sense. This seems like it may be more of like an internal thing in terms of bumping heads creativity because he directed the first two games. He wanted it to be a trilogy, was open about that, talked about the possibilities of that. And then the CEO of EA was praising Respawn and talking about the great like, you know, how great Apex ends jedi have done for them so this this departure was a little more surprising yeah i don't think it makes sense him saying that he wants a trilogy and then he's leaving but this one unlike the glenn schofield one didn't have any uh clear indicators that it was voluntarily like they were clear with glenn schofield's departure that he wanted to leave Mm. this one again i don't know something in-house happened that you know he didn't jive with the direction of the of the studio or something like that yeah i don't know either i think it's surprising when i saw this headline i i i was sure i just realized you're wearing a vacation the classic vacation shirt oh yeah yeah yeah. vacations great band we're excited to see them (laughs) 
Yeah, they have like uh, they want people to dress up as movie characters. So I've been thinking about that. I don't know what I'm going to do, but but with the Halloween in general, I have a lot of costumes I need to figure out. And like with the amount Mm -hmm. of time, it's like we got a month. How crazy do I want to be? How comfortable do I want to be? Last year, I was (laughs) fucking Mario and Luigi for different events. I was like, I'm not going to be either of them. And um, but yeah, back to this, I was like, I was surprised to see that. And I wanted to know why and then to not have any reason why you know sometimes that just happens but then it, it makes it more interesting of like you're saying like did they fire him or it kind of seems like that if he's leaving like the outside looking in. where where is he leaving is he retiring is he going to another studio like what is mm-hmm. the and i don't think that even with glenn Schofield being voluntary you could understand the poor performance of that game critically and financially. So that could be the cause for it. I don't I mean star Wars isn't struggling. These games aren't struggling. I think that star Wars survivor didn't meet the sales expectations for EA personally. Cause I think it's settled around 6 million now. Mm. And I think that that's the kind of game you're expecting 10 million plus to 10 million plus units to move. And you think that did that sell worse than fallen order? I would have to double check that, but um, I'm pretty sure I, definitely. I feel I think Fallen Order has definitely outsold that. Yeah, I think so too. And so from that, I guess I could see that. And I wonder the the game itself not perf- like running the best on launch. I wonder if they place that on him. Yeah, I mean that that's you know that's definitely something that would fall on um on the on the director so yeah fallen order sold uh 10 million copies by 2020 mm. and that game came out in 2019 i don't think that survivors on that path and that also explains why they're maybe like deporting it to ps4 or de- degrading it which is weird so that's a weird thing to do yeah especially when it was promised as like a next gen title so yeah I, I thought that that was an interesting mix-up i wonder where that leaves that series in terms of like is there going to be a third game i didn't finish it so i don't know if it left on a cliffhanger or anything like that. But I mean, he was pretty open about talking to IGN earlier the year. God, it's so weird about where it was going to go. Thinking about, I'm just thinking about the review scores. And I feel like we've been talking about this a lot here recently about certain games reviewing in a certain way and not really understanding how some are. And I know that part of a lot of it is going to be subjective opinion, but I'm thinking about how survivor got reviewed like a nine and had great reviews but it was like but it doesn't even run like smoothly and that seemed to be something like a cyberpunk situation where they got a code and like the pre-release state was a lot better than the release date mm-hmm. yeah just it like weird. actually the, it was the opposite of days gone <laughs> yeah but yeah i don't know just thinking about like i wonder in terms of like review manipulation, like they kn- the publisher knows what they're doing to get a certain score, regardless of how the oh, game yeah. releases. Yeah, one thousand percent. So, I uh, that's that's that was an interesting news to see. I wonder where that's going to leave respawn because I know they have multiple Star Wars projects. I know they have a sh- first person shooter that they're supposed to be making. They've been teasing Titanfall shit. So, also, I never even finished to... Fallen Order because I'm playing the PS5 version and I have glitches happen all the time in that. Yeah, so it just may be like a fidelity thing where it's like they just don't like how the the products are coming out. But I mean, EA, you know, EA has questionable releases. The Battlefield, most recent Battlefield came out. That shit was yeah, they shit do. Was buggy as hell. Well, I agree. They definitely <laughs> do have. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's stuff. That's absolutely a staple from them. 
Yeah. I didn't have this here, but how do you feel about uh, Vince LaPella, Vincent LaPella? We know the guy from Respawn, the head of it who has been promoted in EA. Mm-hmm. He's leading up the charge behind Battlefield. How do you feel about that? I, I don't that could be fun. I don't have any feelings about Battlefield. Like it's like the most neutral it could possibly be. I would mm-hmm. like them to release one that is really good. And I feel like they can. But I also don't want to really get my expectations up because I feel like they ebb and flow so greatly where I think about like Battlefield One being like absolutely fantastic. And then Battlefield Five I don't think was awful. I think people had a lot more problems with it than it really deserved. I think from like a historical standpoint, some people didn't like the weaponry used and the way some of the events were told and stuff like that, but it was still like a good game. And then 2042 is just like, it released in such a poor state that like, I've never even played it still, but battlefield five was the one that had the battle royale added like six months afterwards. Right. Yeah, And I liked it, but I, I feel like it's a, it's a series that's too inconsistent to compete exactly. with something like Call of Duty. It, that's exactly right. And it's like, I, when they release something good, I'm like, great, I'm really happy this exists, but I don't, I'm not waiting for it. I'm just like, that studio DICE is going to be making Battlefield games, and hopefully <laughs> they're going to make a good one, but I'm never worried they're going to get shut down because they've survived awful releases before. And... Yeah, they're just kind of just kind of like there. And Dice provides a lot in terms of having that engine. Yeah, you know? exactly. They still, yeah, they still provide a lot of value to EA and the industry as a whole, even if it's outside of Battlefield. Because mm-hmm. they do the Frostbite engine, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And they, and they have like a separate conglomerate of Dice within. That's not even like a. I don't. Not even in terms of like makes games. They have like a studio support. Mm-hmm. division of dice that like helps all the other ea studios out with using the di- uh the frostbite engine i wonder how it need just talking about ea i wonder how it need for speed on bounce because i wonder if or when there will be another one i feel like they talked about it hitting a million when it first came out and that's that was it mm-hmm. i think they like you know everybody gets that that splash screen like dead island 2 is like oh we hit a million Da-da-da. they were so then... quiet with that game with need for speed on bound <laughs> Yeah, because they announced it like three months before it came out. Yeah, it was weird. It's a good game, though. Very good game. A very weird uh, timetable. Agreed. But uh, but moving on to more positive news. We teased this a little bit earlier, but uh, Ubisoft announced a Division 3 with massive entertainment set to develop it. Uh, so Ubisoft has a, a revealed that Division 3 is in early development, and the publisher announced that the uh, current creative director on Star Wars Outlaws is uh, going to be appointed as executive producer of the Division series from going from here on out. How do you feel about this, Mark? The Division has been a series that I feel like we've tried to get into. We've played the first one a little bit. We played the second one a little bit. The third one, maybe it's maybe third time's a charm for us. Yeah, I like it. I think it's good. I I think they're really good games. They're very fun. They're fun in co-op. They're fun in single player. I'm happy to see it. I think there's no negatives to this being announced. Yeah, I'm interested. Uh, massive. They are working like dogs, though. You know, they got them pumping out all the games, which is good though, because they seem to be the most quality studio outside of the Ubisoft like Montreal studio. Mm. Yeah, they're good. Massive is good. Massive, I don't feel like I don't have anything good. too crazy to say because it's like since Division came out the first time, I just view all Division releases as like they're very, very solid. Don't get me wrong, but mm-hmm. I view them as 
like one, two, and three just has this kind of like one continue. Even though they're separate games, I really just view them as like it's a live service game, right? You go. I mean, I don't. It is, but you still go and you complete yeah, very the, live service. I was gonna say because you still go and you still complete like campaigns and stuff like that. But I don't even think about the stories in those games very much. I think that something that Division does really well is I think they develop a really excellent atmosphere and a really good playground mm-hmm. to run around and do things in. So yeah, I mean, I'm excited for three. There wasn't much info with the announcement, correct? They didn't say like location or anything like that. No, they just, I mean, the guy, there that studio is still finishing up uh, Avatar and then mm-hmm. still has work to do with Star Wars Outlaws. So this, um, I mean, honestly, this looks like it could be uh, maybe a launch title for next gen at this point we'll see and then if this is that far off then it's like why would you announce this again which we were talking about earlier how you announce games i think that this is a weird but the thing is i think that these announcements and the why video game announcements are so poorly done sometimes it's just to appease stockholders mm. so it's like we got something coming don't worry like you know don't sell yeah true but invest. yeah because you're right it's like we know what a division game is but it would still be really cool to see like if this was out of state of play and they even They're teasing like a cool environment. Yeah, if they show you don't the location. know anything. You're like, what is it? Yeah, that would mm-hmm. be sick. Yeah. So and then, and then you see like the division pop out and then you're like, oh, shit, it's a new division. That's but true. But then this way, it's kind of like it's so anticlimactic. Yeah, it's like, OK, cool. So it exists. So whenever we do see it, we'll be like, fucking finally. <laughs> fucking <laughs> exactly. Took them two and a half years. Yeah. But I mean, Ubisoft, I don't I think forgo doing a whole presentation this year and like the the E3 summer season which is no longer e3 mm-hmm. but you know like the normal summer season i think they forgoed doing a whole uh presentation so maybe this is them gearing up to have announcements as like you know upcoming summer season wait no ubisoft had a showcase did they yeah they did they did have a showcase they had a showcase yeah. where they talked about x defiant prince of persia oh they, you're so right they did, they did have crew. one yeah it was uh yeah. it was two days lackluster as fuck I actually thought it was pretty good. It was two days after Summer Games Fest. Uh, it was on a okay. Sunday, I remember. Okay, well, I, I misspoke, but yeah. Because that's well, where I mean, they showed Avatar pretty... for the first time in full. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. That was the first time that but we they got, blend together. that's when we got the release date. I definitely understand that like, they blend together, though, because it's in, during that weekend where there's also Summer Games Fest. But yeah, I remember they had that. They talked about Assassin's Creed, Prince of Persia, which... Prince of Persia, by the way, I'm worried about that. That I'm worried about them trying to sell that for fifty. I feel like that's not going to sell well. Like the two D side scroller one. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that. Yeah, I'm not. That, that I'm sure work. that it can be that expensive, but I think it's hard to convince consumers that the value is there for a two D side scroller to be fifty dollars. And it's coming out in October, which it's like that's coming out. Why is are you it? doing I that? I thought that was like next year. Is it? Yeah, I that's thought... 24. Let me, th- I'll look it up. Is it? Let me double check. Look it up. Because I remember, look it up. I remember in the showcase being like, oh, they're announcing this, but it's like next year. Another thing with it too is I think Prince of Persia fans, I don't think that they were looking for like this style of game. Because remember, there was. They a, want the remasters of the original, which have been like restarted. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, yeah, Ubisoft has a lot of. Yeah, Ubisoft January is a weird 15th. studio. January 15th, right. 2024. Well, even then, $50 for that's kind of rough. I agree. But, but uh, you know. But yeah, we can continue to something else that was very unfortunate. 
Very unfortunate. Speaking of things that are rough, Ascendant Studios lays off about 45% of its workforce. The California-based Ascendant Studios laid off on about nearly half of their uh, employees. And if you don't know, remember who Ascendant Studio is, probably because you didn't buy their game, Immortals of Avium. Mm. It's their uh, first-time studio that uh, EA published under the EA Originals banner. Obviously, the sale the sales of the game were very very weak and that's what former employees are alluding that is the reason of nearly half of its workforce being cut this is a this is quite unfortunate because the game i did not finish it and i played it like you know i played probably maybe like five six hours the quality is there it definitely is not a game that deserved to be bombed in terms of like sales and also doesn't deserve to be like, you know, have half the workforce cover or cut. But, uh, you know, hopefully this means it's not dead completely and they get another crack at a game. Maybe not in another Immortals game just because that didn't hit the first time. But they have talent there. Yeah, I agree. It was I mean, it's it sucks to see. But I remember I think I probably said it here on the show before that. When you pre-order a game on PlayStation, or even if you're just playing a game, when you go to the store, it'll show you in the info box like other people on your friends list playing it. And Joel was the only mm-hmm. person on my friends list playing Immortals, <laughs> which was really shocking because a lot of smaller or I'm not even gonna lie, like lower tier games like what fucking Jumping Sushi, Jumping Burger, like even those have a couple of people on my list that are playing them. And you also have a substantial amount of friends on PlayStation too. I think I have a probably like between three or four hundred i don't interact with that's a good yeah that's a good like a survey i wish i honestly i want to start adding random people just to have like a cool like uh that's why i like like the numbers because when i log on normally there's 30 to 50 people on on my friends list and i just i normally like scrolling through and seeing what people are playing and Mm -hmm. it's good a lot of the people that i have shout out to anyone that's on my friends list most of them i met you know either in random multiplayer games or trophy hunting Right, like even for Mortal Kombat One, there was somebody on my friends list who just reached out to me that I think like maybe six years ago we platinumed Killing Floor together. But he just sent me a message like, "Hey, I want to like grind out this trophy. Can you help me with it?" Like, great, awesome. I didn't even have to think about it. Get a multiplayer trophy out of the way. So good to have those. And yeah, nice to see a demographic of seeing like what is everyone playing, what are people interested right now. But yeah, Mortals mm-hmm. is just not something that I saw a lot of people playing. Not because it's a bad game, but just I think there's a lo- I think there's things that were just working against it and it just got forgotten. I think that it being a first yeah. person shooter is really cool. I don't think a lot of people fuck with magic like that. I think possibly, but I think a lot I think what it what it was is twofold. Terrible release timing. It was released in the middle of Boulder Gate and Starfield hype. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to eclipse those two games. That's you true. Got a storied studio and then a storied like franchise that just blowed up and set a new standard for a genre a game. Mm-hmm. Like its original release date in the summer, I thought was going to be ideal for it. And then it got a lot of that uh, Marvel backlash because it does have Marvel style writing and like voice acting and like kind of those quips and like constantly everybody like has something to fucking say. Mm-hmm but not like in a meaningful way. So I think it got a little bit of the Marvel backlash tied to it as well. Yeah, I did hear that. And it reviewed so fine. So it was just kind of like a... Like it reviewed yeah. good. It didn't review like awfully, but nothing crazy. I think IGN gave it an 8, and I think that the Metacritic settled in the 70s, mm-hmm. which is not bad, especially for a first-time effort. And obviously, as we've been speaking about it in the most recent episodes, the numbers 
that that some of these review that these games get don't really matter because like it's very subjective and what somebody thinks is a seven is a nine to somebody else what somebody thinks is a nine is a six you know so it's kind of very subjective and i would say find somebody that you agree with their gaming opinions overall and then kind of base it off of that but even then just play the game yourself and form your own opinion is the best way to go obviously i know games are expensive this did come out at 70 i think if it was like a budget 50 i think that would have probably helped there's a lot of things they could have done to make this game uh you know more attractive but it it just had a lot of things going against it. I also think that uh, for a new IP, I think a demo actually goes a long way. Like Lies of Peace, yeah, no demo. I think of they had a demo, and I feel like people talked about that mm-hmm. demo. If Immortals had a, de- mm-hmm. a demo, there's a chance that people will play that and they'll be interested. Or even like you're saying, there's different things to try. Like there was no PlayStation trial for it. If there was, maybe people would play it and they'd be like, oh, I liked it. I'll buy it or something. Even for EA, EA didn't have a trial for it. If you have EA Play, I do. But there, the only benefit was like you could get it for like a couple bucks cheaper. But for something that's like brand new IP. 70. 70. 70. Because every game, it's still, we're not, we're not in the universal. Every game is 70. Like there's a fluctuation of 60, 70, 50. So like 70, you have to, you have to earn the $70 price point. I agree. Sorry, I'll demo. I was hitting a big yawn there. Yeah, I I agree. I think seventy. Yeah, you got to earn that, and then a demo or a trial or something like that. I think you can. It, it helps to convince new people who are skeptical, where they might they're just going to completely pass on it if it's too expensive on launch and they don't know what it is. Yeah, and another thing that the, that I knew that it was going to be that it wasn't doing well is none of the trophy like the main trophy guide guys were covering it day one. Mm-hmm. I think now I saw playstationtrophies.org's Brian is finally kind of touching it because they probably realized it was a pretty easy attainable platinum, but not even the PlayStation Trophy community got behind it. Yeah, that's not that's not a good sign. There's always somebody trying yeah. to platinum. That's what I was saying. Even people on my friends list not playing it. I was surprised like nobody was. Yeah, so hopefully Ascended Studios, you know, stays in business and EA gives them another shot. But it's not looking good for them. But uh, also, let's end, let's end on. Wait, I was going to say, say, talking about trophies, can we just take a moment to recognize how fucking ridiculous it is? It is that Elden Ring's <laughs> platinum has like a ten point eight percent earn rate. That shit is wild. I mean, yeah, to that's me. that's all their games though. They have that's they have true. a very like ravenous fan base that engage with those games at like a level that like the completion percentage on them alone is kind of insane. I love that Because you just stat. look at completion percentage of regular games. Mm-hmm. Such a good stat, too, even to see, like, how many people are completing these games. Like, I wonder for Immortals, mm-hmm. like, how many people even finish the game? I mean, yeah, I can actually look that up for you right now um, if you want to take over and do this last story. Yeah, and before I do that, like, even I'm playing Judgment right now, and the chapters are very long in that game, but the completion rate for the first chapter is 76%, and the the second chapter is 30 percent so like damn in between the first big drop yeah huge drop off but i think that game still sold well and it reviewed really well and so i don't think it's actually a huge deal i've definitely played yakuza games and played them for like 35 hours and never beaten anything so that also might be a specific example but this final piece of news that we got here is the metal gear solid like metal gear solid one in the master collection volume one will be locked to 30 frames per second so metal gear solid 2 and 3 will both run at 60 frames on everything except for the nintendo switch 
What's more, all the games are currently going to be running at a 1080p resolution on everything except the Switch at a handheld mode, which doesn't support it. And so they won't make it to 4K. This is relevant basically because when this was announced, we were in heavy discussion of what we thought they would have done to Mm -hmm. these games. And I was saying how basically I think that the price point is worth it if there is something to bring them closer to a modern gameplay. Not saying that they have to fully remake it. I understand that's really expensive and stuff like that. But if they're more similar to HD ports, I think I was bitching and complaining because I was like Metal Gear Solid especially is something that I view as coming to like PlayStation Plus Premium. And I mm-hmm. do view that differently as being like, oh, it's a Game Pass or it's a PlayStation Plus extra game. Like, no, I, I PlayStation like uh, Metal Gear Solid, I think of PS1. And I think this is like an easy put this on your premium service, especially if it is basically the original game just with HD scaling. I'm sure that they have deals in place where they're like, no, we're not going to give it to you because we're going to sell this as a bundle like volume collection. Unless the controls mm-hmm. are altered, though, I don't think I would hop in to play these. Yeah, I'm still on a wait and see approach to see what reviews say, what's actually available, what isn't. Because they've been so cagey about it. Obviously, that tends to lead it to like the worst mm-hmm. c- conclusion in your mind that like, oh, they're being cagey for negative reasons because they don't want to tell you that it's a fucking 20 year old game and you're just getting it at 1080p mm-hmm. by the way but uh i know this is kind of different but talking about old games coming in new and like cagey or weird with information talking about also excitement of announcements i saw i think it was to celebrate 25 years i could be wrong but i think it was to celebrate or no it was to celebrate a decade of gta 5 that with the gta plus there's a subscription for the multiplayer that you can pay 5.99 a month for and there are various benefits mostly it's like a cash installment every month there may be some vehicles mm-hmm. stuff like that but they announced that in addition to this subscription there will be a revolving selection of classic rockstar titles starting with the grand theft auto definitive trilogy I thought that was just a super fucking weird announcement. I was like, so now you want people to pay for a Rockstar subscription? They're basically trying to make it like their customized Game Pass thing. Mm-hmm. I thought that was super but, weird. Uh, but I do got Immortals numbers. So they beat it on the easiest difficulty. Mm. It is completion percentage is at 23.7%. Okay. And then the medium difficulty is at 14.7%. And then the Grand Magnus, which is the hardest difficulty, is like 2.5%. That's pretty so, awful. Because I think I'm viewing that as 14% as the standard. Yeah. I think good, so good completion rate is like 50% have beaten it is good. I think that's asking a lot. I think for me, I think 35. 35. Like you want one out of three players to beat the game. I agree. I'm, think, I'm talking about like, I guess yeah, I'm saying like on the high end. So I'm thinking like a Naughty mm-hmm. Dog game is going to be like a 50% oh, yeah. completion rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because even something like Final Fantasy 16, which is even if you mainline it 50, 60 hours, is at 43% completion, mm-hmm. which is fucking insane. That means over a million people beat the game. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, well, we, we, yeah, I loved it. I, I love that they added that in the PS4 generation. I fucking love like that data. I feel like it's such an underrated thing that people don't use to like calculate how well a game is actually doing. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that that was kind of shocking to see that for Immortals. But uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully they get another shot, and hopefully this Metal Gear collection 
pans out to be something good. But I do also agree with you that a Rockstar thing is weird just because it's like, are you trying to compete now with Game Pass? And what does it mean by like rotating? Like what other games are they going to fucking offer? Also, like you shouldn't have a subscription for your shit anyway. Yeah, it's like almost it's like old school MMO. Yeah, it's it's strange. But so with Metal Gear Solid, what's your opinion on this? Because I think out of the two of us, I think you are a little bit more excited to get into this collection. Yes, I I was, and I still am excited. Mm. I don't, I don't understand why I'm excited, but I am because what's new? The subject, this it's new. It's new to me because I never played any of the Metal Gear games, mm-hmm. and the subject matter to me is very cool. Like the espionage, the war, the political drama, like all of that speaks to me on like an eternal level. Like that's like subject matter I like in my movies, games, TV shows that initially always draws me in. And then you obviously have Hideo Kojima, who's a fucking well-established G in the fucking gaming industry, like one of the pioneers. And then I love Death Stranding. So I'm like, let me get into his original work. Now, with the game controls, that's where I'm apprehensive with this because I did try playing the original Metal Gear on the PlayStation Classic that they released. And I think you were there with me Mm -hmm, too, right? And that shit, if they don't update those controllers, I don't know... I don't know if I can be bought in, but if two and three work and they're more modernized or they're more like accessible, then maybe I might just get it off the strength of that. I don't think they're going to do the thing where they for Final Fantasy, the remasters where you can buy them a la carte. I think it's just a whole package you have to buy for 60. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm still interested. I'm going to be waiting on reviews to see what they added in terms to modernize it. If they did nothing. That makes me a little more apprehensive to get it. Maybe it might be a get on sale kind of thing. Yeah, I'm smiling over here like a dumbass because you were mentioning like tactical spy espionage and political intrigue, stuff like that. And I was laughing because I was thinking about how shitty Siphon Filter is. (laughs) Siphon Filter (laughs) fucking sucks. When you play Siphon Filter, you're like, oh, so you were trying to do the Metal Gear thing, but just just fucked it up completely i just was playing it i like i didn't under i mean, of course it's uh, out of time and i'm just like having a laugh but it's i remember playing it and just being like this is what i've been hearing about my whole life like well, we didn't need all of fucking eight of these yeah well you have you have access to play the whole siphon filter series and if i can play i mean t- i mean we we love siphon filter a little bit because days gone is tied to it well i mean the, the studio sure but no, but I think there there's direct hints to siphon filter in like in uh oh I don't even in like some that. of the notes and shit. Yeah, like it was kind of like a like a control Alan Wake kind of thing where it's like it wasn't broadcasted as that, but then people that dove into it were like, mm. oh, they're they're in the same universe. It's connected. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know. That. That's actually really cool. But yeah, yeah. So Metal Gear needs to be updated for controls. That's the that's the the most important thing. I think even with Grand Theft Auto. I can handle the graphics. Yeah, even with Grand Theft Auto, the definitive trilogy, my biggest complaint was I was like, the fucking aiming is still the same way. The fact that each game plays differently in the Grand Theft Auto trilogy is so fucking stupid that you couldn't even bring up Vice City and 3 to the San Andreas standards. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's the epitome of like lazy. Yeah, I agree. Because I was expecting at least it to be uniform maybe not control like gta 5 but gta 4 like a modern play like a modern game and like none of them and they're all like yeah like unified as well like it's like what is going on here you guys did the absolute bare minimum yeah 
So hopefully, I mean, hopefully Metal Gear will update it and stuff like that. But if Metal Gear Solid 1 controls the same way, is 30 frames and still looks like doo-doo butter, like I don't, I'm not going <laughs> to want to spend $60 on it. I'm still very skeptical about Metal Gear Solid Delta because. Yeah, I, I mean, this is this is going to be the the canary in the coal mine, seeing how this comes out. What did they put into it? But have you, I didn't know if you watched that preview. They did put a lot of love in terms of the extra features mm-hmm. outside of the game. In terms of like, you know, like uh, they have the original. I think it, the package comes with like five or six games because it has two or three of the original Metal Gear games mm-hmm. itself. So it's significant in terms of like the quantity of games. Now, the work that they did to each game may not be what we were expecting. But I mean, it's a significant package in that sense. I think if they update controls and don't change anything else, it's fully worth the price. Yeah, but if they don't I update agree. the controls and it's not playable, then what's going to happen is people are going to buy it and be excited to play it, and then they'll boot it up, and after five minutes, they'll be like, ah, shit, I can't play this. <laughs> like that, I yeah. feel like that is what would happen. Because I don't really care how ugly or old a game is. It's normally, if I'm like, I don't understand how to control it, then that's what mm-hmm. that's what kicks me off of it. Like, I just imagine Justin playing it. Like, what is Justin going to say? You know? <laughs> well, when Metal Gear Solid... He thinks Bioshock. When Metal Gear Solid 1 play came good. out, there weren't even analogs, right? Yeah, no. It's it's all on the dual pad. Yeah. Or the, the, the D-pad. Mm-hmm. So, it's just like old Twisted Metal, you, you know? Said, you got to play it all on the D-pad. You said Bioshock, and I thought about IGN's top 10 PlayStation 3 games. Jesus, kid, can we talk about that for a second? I mean, sure. like, what the fuck was up with Bioshock that? Wasn't Ratchet on and there. Clank? Ratchet and Clank Street Fighter? What? This, well, yeah, number 10 was uh, Street Fighter 4, Ratchet and Clank, A Rift in Time. No, well, is that that is the right one? A uh, Crack in Time. A Crack in Time. Because Rift Apart Rift is the in new Time one. is. Yeah, this so is the new Crack one. in Time was 9. And then I just remember Bioshock was not on that list. Yeah, no Bioshock, no Infamous, mm-hmm. no, uh, uh, and no, none of the Bethesda games, which I guess, I mean, now they're associated with Xbox, so I guess you wouldn't put them on there, but it's like, it's kind of no resistance. No resistance. Not a single. You know what I no, just thought of? A, you know. Gran Turismo's not on there, right? Gran Turismo 5 is not on there, which is like the best Gran Turismo. Agreed. So, I, you know, I... I Again, they put out these lists for this reason for people to discuss and for people to, you know, analyze and complain about. But I mean, it's just kind of like showing how they're kind of out of touch or don't have the right people in place to make or they're perfectly aligning it where they are getting us upset. Oh, yeah, I think that that's like they've got that's definitely part of Last of Us and Uncharted 2 at the top, which is like, that's what you need to have. But then that's the bare minimum. They also don't have Metal Gear Solid 4 on there. Yes, that was another thing. So I have the list pulled up here. So 10 was Ultimate Street Fighter 4. No. Uh, number 9, Ratchet and Clank, A Crack in Time. Hell no. Mm-hmm. 8, Batman Arkham City. Sure. That's fair. Fair. 7, Little Big Planet 2. Now let me tell you, I love Little Big Planet. I think this is fine. It ain't no fucking top 10 fucking PS3 game. Get the fuck I out of here. I think that's fine. If it is, it's 10. It's a good game. It's a great game. Portal 2. Excellent game. That's that's just That should be top that's, five. That's definitely. Grand Theft Auto 5 is number five. That's fair. Dark Souls. I don't even think this is the best dark the game in a series that's released on this platform, right? I think it was because it was only Demon Souls and Dark Souls. It was only on PS3? Okay. Yeah. So that's 
That's fair. And then obviously, you know, the three Red Dead Redemption. I fucking love I agree. I agree with the top three Red Dead, Uncharted 2 and The Last of Us Part 1. Yeah. Which I hate that they say Last of Us Part 1. It was just The Last of Us, but we'll leave that yeah, there. Not, yeah, okay. <laughs> it, it won't ever just be The Last of Us. Can't win every battle. Or any you of know? them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that it's, yeah, it's fun to just look at those lists because I know that whenever I'm reading them, I always see them and I click on them and I'm ready to be like, ah, oh, ah, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, like, there's no... Yeah, you're ready to complain. Like, that's the whole point of the that's list. That's true. I feel like that's how most tier lists are top whatever lists are, which is part of also... <laughs> It's funny because I'm always interested in like making a YouTube video on my channel for like my top 100 games of all time or something at that current moment. But I don't actually think about it to piss anyone off in how I would format. But I'm sure that there are people that do write them in such a way because you know that being negative or saying crazy shit gets people to like interact with your content and like that's better for algorithms and stuff. But I think... So with IGN, it's like a monolith. Mm-hmm. There's no specific creator. Like if it's if you are like these are your f- top ten games or top ten th- PS3 games, we understand it's subjective. It's you, Mark Ace Acevedo. Sure. It's your opinions. IGN is like is like I always say the McDonald's of video games. Like this is supposed to be definitive. Mm. They're supposed to speak for everybody. And when you have these whack ass fucking lists, it's like hell no. You I also know? think it allows them to be more wild because nobody's actually getting the blame. Like you can look at the author, but yeah. I don't think people do. They're just like, oh, it's IGN's list. Also, you said McDonald's, and I'm fucking starving. I'm fucking starving too. I'm very, very hungry. But let's see. There is no. This is by the IGN staff. That is the. That's just what it says. Okay. That's what it says. I wonder how they so, decided that. Maybe they like voted on it. But then you're not getting like one person's yeah. opinion. I don't know. But also, we're getting far enough where. It's totally possible that there are people working at IGN who formed that list who didn't play those PS3 games. Yeah, that's probably why. I, I mean, honestly, yeah, because I mean, you look at the recent stuff. You're like, I don't. You're you're because if you're looking at a list, your opinions. If you're kind of if you're looking at just like a large Metacritic or review based list of PlayStation 3 games, I could see them going down a list and being like, okay, these are the highest rated mm-hmm. games let's vote from these and so i could understand gran turismo not being there for that reason but i think if you were around during playstation's time and i'd say the same for metal gear solid 4 even though they did score that a 10 it's kind of impossible to not think of playstation 3 and gran turismo or metal gear solid 4 gran turismo 5 was like a ridiculously high selling game and also a pack-in for a lot of playstation 3s and then I just mm-hmm. think Metal Gear has been synonymous with PlayStation for a long time. So it's just weird for those to just not be on that list. You know, it's also crazy. No journey in the top 10. But that's an, another thing, too, that I think of is Metal Gear Solid 4 is not something that's accessible outside of PS3. And mm-hmm. there's Grand Turismo 5. And I think a lot of the games that are on that list, you can play on other platforms. So that's why I'm like, I wonder if some of the people didn't even play those games actually in the era of it. Mm-hmm. And then not all of them. That's probably, some of them that's are. Probably true. Some of them are stuck to the. They got generation. some old heads. They do. That's true. You know, they got some. But I just don't know how they formed the list. But does it really matter? Yeah. It doesn't matter, but it's fun to it's fun to dis- dissect it. It is bitch and moan about, but I just I you mean, know sometimes no it's just they make no Fallout. 3. No, that's what I'm saying. No, Oblivion. No Oblivion. No Fallout Three. No Skyrim. Will, what the fuck? I will say. Oblivion, Fallout, and I'll even go as far and say Bioshock. All three of those I view more as Xbox games than PlayStation games. 
I mean, yeah, they all had the year exclusivity in, initially on Xbox. So I mm-hmm. guess that that's what they're using. Because I'm like, I'm thinking even no Mass Effect. I remember that being big for people. Yeah, that doesn't need to be there. I'm, I'm, I, I agree. We agree. We're we're simpatico yeah. here. We know about Ass Effect. Mm-hmm. We were there calling it Ass from the beginning. Fucking people wearing Bioshock their N- N7 bi- hats. God damn it! I fucking hate. and we're gonna. It's coming up November seventh. Get ready for N7 Day. And what's even going to happen on N7 Day? They're going to show you another still. Bioware is going to be like, we're still alive. We're working on Dragon we're Age. We're still working on Mass Effect. No, but now that, remember, they're rebooting Mass Effect or But some they're shit. also working on Dragon Age. They have to get that out first, Dragon Age Dreadwolf. That's what's supposed <laughs> to be their Christ. next game, and then Mass Effect is supposed to be after. Because remember, we, we announced like two to three games in advance now. But yeah, that's smart. Keep on doing that, guys. Keep on talking about games that may never even come out eventually. I wonder if I'm just full of shit because I'm thinking about 30 minutes ago when I was like, what is Naughty Dog working on? Yeah, that's why it's a push and pull thing where it's like I prefer the silence if it's not going to come out soon. But then it's also like, what the fuck are y'all doing is what I'm that's what I, that's, I think that's where we're coming from, where it's like, what are you guys doing? You're sitting on your I don't, obviously you're not sitting on your ass for five years, but it's like. Or you're doing you're investing in these projects that are not fulfilling because last was part one like you said opportunity cost the factions game is going to be a massive opportunity cost if nothing even comes out of this like it doesn't even come out mm-hmm. like you just wasted four years on development on a game that's not coming that's out true. so but uh but that's that's all we mm-hmm. have ladies and gentlemen passionate ending here for the go for bronze boys. there was a lot i think there was a lot with the state of play and the xbox league there was a lot of interesting things to pull at and i think we've both now have fully gotten into the fall releases of games and so like there will be mm-hmm. there will always be something exciting to talk about at least until like march i feel like oh yeah we're, we're good we're good on terms of game releases and if we get a showcase in here mm-hmm. whew, get ready Get ready, ladies and gentlemen. I agree. It'll be good. Yeah, you can stay locked here. We release these episodes every other Monday. We also stream every in between those Mondays. So you can check those out. And well, you'll hear me tell you. I'll tell you in two minutes. I'll give you the full rundown. He'll tell you in two minutes. But you can listen to him. You can also check out the show notes for links on everything. And we appreciate you listening to the show. You look good today, by the All way. All right, guys. Oh, thanks. Yeah, my hair is getting kind of crazy long. I think I got to cut it. I was eventually. talking to the audience, but you look good, too. Everyone looks good. Oh, I mean, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you look like shit. Fuck you. Goodbye. Everybody. See ya. Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed it. If that wasn't a total waste of your time, consider leaving us a review on the service that you're listening on as it really helps us out. If you'd like to be a part of the show, feel free to reach out to us on any of the socials linked in the episode notes. You can reach us with your questions, comments, thoughts, concerns, and ideas. Until next time, don't forget to keep breathing.